Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold! Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong! Lucky number 13, episode 13, Silver and Gold. We are here just for you. Yes, yes, you. God damn, the song gets me amped every time. I'm the loaf. With me, the Mr. Dr. Zom. Um, yeah, I'm amped too. Mamp Daddy-o. Amp. <laughs> Feel the energy. Uh so yeah, those of you not on our awesome Facebook group probably missed that I won the Bad Street 45 on eBay last week, and it got to me. Let me tell you, it is awesome. It is the same song on both sides. Yes. <laughs> and it's got Michael Hayes and all his hairy chest glory on the front. It is quite amazing. Ooh, I'll, I am. I actually, speaking of eBay purchases, I have something, something. On the way for the next contest. Yes. I haven't even discussed this with uh, with uh, Master Loaf. Uh, it was a um, let's just say it was a little. Um, I don't know. It was inspired by some uh, movie watching and some of the stuff we've been talking about on the show. But uh, I found it, and uh, it will be here shortly. And um, if any of you. Um, people out there decide to actually you know give it a try to win a contest <laughs> hey, uh, we've, got, we've got hey. three entries this time oh my we have a we have a uh, a triangle match if you will coming up so um we're going to run the contest the, the silent rage contest from episode 11 if you write if you listen to the beginning of the feedback uh we had a little silent rage contest where you can run a silent rage poster courtesy of Paris cinema magazine so uh, you guys still have time to give us the easy little answer there, and um, so yeah, and uh, so yeah, and then we'll have another contest coming up, obviously. How come now when we did the show, uh, you know, for the movie Silent Rage starring Chuck Norris, um, you know, all I thought about was like you know this midget cowboy with a mustache fighting a zombie guy or whatever but now when you say silent rage all i think about is like when i was like 12 or 13 years old sitting in class looking at this girl's corduroy pants and having a silent rage in my crotch and i was so embarrassed i was like oh please don't call me up to the board please please don't call me up to the front of the class silent Rage. What was it about boners back then? Jesus Christ! It was like twenty-eight times a day. You're just like, all of a sudden, like, oh, oh, here we go again. God damn it! God damn it! Uh, Time to tuck it into the waistband and go. 
Now I just sit on a big chocolate cake, and that's how I get my jollies. So, um, so this week we are covering the we're this is our our first true Silva and Gold episode, and we decided last week that Dolph Lundgren is the gold of Silva and Gold, so to speak. Um, so we're doing a Henry Silva movie. We're doing a Dolph Lundgren movie. Uh, we do we decided to cover Kidnap from 1974, or the Italian title is something I can't pronounce. Fatevi vivi, la polizia non intervera, or intervera, whatever. Um, and then uh, a Dolph Lundgren movie from 1994 with another another favorite of mine, Mr. Tiny Zeus Lister, um, called Men of War, and a very not hot Catherine Bell. What the fuck was going on with her? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. So. Better, uh... <laughs> So first, we, as usual, we'll go over we'll go over what we've been watching this week. Light week this week. Uh, um, I watched uh, the Jan Michael Vincent Chris Christopherson Tour de Force Vigilante Force. Nice. Um, I saw this when I was a kid. You know, uh, it was a drive-in movie, and um, it's kind of a Cain and Abel story. And uh, Jan Michael Vincent walks her. He's the good, the good brother, and uh, he walks around um, while his brother Chris Christopherson is basically being. I mean, he's <sighs> being the biggest asshole on the planet. But when everybody in the town is like, "Listen, Jan, your brothers," you know, I think he he did this and he did that, and you know, he's he's and he's like. Oh, now come on! You guys are just being hard on old Aaron, you know. <laughs> it's like, dude, your your brother's a fucking psychopath. But anyway, it was pretty good. It was everything I remember. And um, if you want to see uh, guys dressed up in red marching band outfits, shooting bazookas and machine oh, guns and stuff, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Christopherson with a with a band like big furry band hat on. He looked so yeah. excited to be shooting that rocket launcher. He looked so oh, happy. Yeah. Lots of smoke coming out of that rocket launcher, <laughs> um, and that had um, all, that also had uh, Victoria Principal, who basically all she did she was Jan Michael's love interest, and she played with her hair the whole time. She had this really lustrous like uh, like she was doing a Prell shampoo commercial the whole thing, <laughs> and Lonnie Anderson sneaks in there with uh, like some kind of you know you're used to seeing her with that white helmet head and she had brown hair and she her part was not even um like she they didn't have a name for her in the cast uh uncredited i believe that's what they call that <laughs> in movie speak uh, the next one i watched was night on earth and the only reason i watched this is because um netflix whatever the hell i was supposed to be getting um had to come from like some state that's real far away. So they sent me something while I was waiting. And um, it's uh, Jim Jaramouche. And uh, he's the director. It, it's basically kind of like coffee and cigarettes where they have several different uh, little vignettes right. that make up the entire movie. And it's about um, uh, it all. Every one of them, the theme that runs through all of them is it's about these taxi drivers in, all in different countries. In all over the world, and uh, boy, does it start out! I almost took the fucking thing out. <laughs> uh, Winona Ryder 
and Gina Rollins are in the first, uh, like, uh, not skit, but the first segment. And Gina Rollins is good. You know, she was, she was, there's no problem with her. Winona Ryder was so fucking bad. She was trying to play like a tomboy kind of a, a cab driver, and she's chewing gum and smoking and everything, but it's so, it, it just does not wash. I mean, it, it's just, well, it was so bad. I, I, I was even, as I was watching it, I posted something like, you know, I'm ready to take this fucking thing out and wipe my ass with it and send it back because I didn't want it anyway. But then after that, someone, you know, said, posted back, you know, oh, I thought it was pretty good. And after that first one, it's just started getting better and better and better. And it actually was really good. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, so I liked it. I liked it. There was there was a couple. There was one with uh, Roberto Benini that was just fucking hilarious, and it's all in Italian, so it's subtitled. But it's just it's hilarious. He picks up a priest and um, drives him around, and then there was one that was just like it was really. It started out, and you're like, okay, this is going to be, but it was ended up. I was about ready. To, I got a little dusty eyed, so <laughs> uh, so that was good. Uh, next one eh, was a documentary called "If a Tree, uh, If a Tree Fall," a story of the Earth Liberation Front, and it was pretty good. It was um, talked about what they have dubbed eco terrorism, um, where these you know people were protesting all kinds of uh, shit that's out in um, like Washington State, Oregon, and. Um, in uh, the World Trade Organization or whatever the fuck it's called, where they had the big riots out there and uh, the anarchists showed up and smashed windows and shit like that. Well, they were the ones that were doing that. Uh, and they were, they uh, fire, uh, like firebombed a bunch of lumber places and, and shit like that. Uh, but they're, it, it kind of gave like two points of view uh, because during this time, you know, they dub everything terrorism and they said, you know, everything that they did, they went out of their way to make sure that no one was hurt and no one was even in the buildings or anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was just a bunch of kids, but they did stupid shit. And then, you know, the, as they got caught, um, you know, they started rolling over on each other. And the one guy's, his principles were like, you know, I'm not going to roll over on anybody and he was possibly going to serve some pretty pretty um substantial jail time but it was pretty good it was interesting i didn't know that much about that shite yeah. uh next one was cyclone with um heather thomas and this was a supercharged super powered uh motorcycle um she was on fall guy and she was in zapped Pretty good looking broad. broad. I used to have a lot of um, ra- uh, silent rages for her at the time. <laughs> now in this one, she seemed like it. It might. It must have been just a little bit after Fall Guy because she seemed like she was a little bit. Uh, not that she was like chunky or fat or anything in any way, but she didn't seem like as skinny, and her voice was like a lot was kind of husky. Yeah. Which kind of, I was like, whoa! And then she had this really ugly, uh, like John Bon Jovi hairdo. Which the, like the old John Bon Jovi, you know. Tom used to work on the sacks, uh, so I didn't like that. But um, it it 
was it had a lot of hilarity. She had some of the tightest goddamn pants of all time, and she had them tucked down in her little Robin Hood boots. Uh, and she would whip some ass on some guys that were giving her shit and everything. But her her boyfriend uh, was a scientist, and he was working on making this uh, super powered the motorcycle. They said it was um, it was like as powerful as a like aircraft carrier or battleship or something stupid. <laughs> but anyway, and these, these people were trying to get it, of course, because it, it had like a Tony Stark power source that could, you know, that was, could, it could just run forever. So that's basically what they're after. And, um, so it was, it was, um, like I said, I've seen it on, the, um, like, um, a lot of websites that sell genre shit. Yeah, and it's it's kind. I guess it's a cult classic or whatever, but it wasn't very good. And that was followed up by uh, they must have been having on this. They must have been having a uh, a motorcycle night or something because even before we went on air, I looked at my list and as I read the title to this movie, I couldn't even fucking think of what it was. (laughs) That's how what an impression it made on me. Uh, It was called Crossing the Line, and um, the only thing that is memorable about this movie. Is that uh, the Saxon? John Saxon was in it. He played the uh, the guy's uh, father, and they had some what was supposed to be touching moments, but uh, eh, eh. but anyway, it uh, this it just basically about some young guy and him and his friends are are fuck ups and they ride like dirt bikes and and the cops are are chasing them just because they were out just riding and being stupid, and one of his friends gets. Um, like paralyzed or whatever. And so then he, everybody's like, you're a fuck up. You'll never be anything. He gets into motocross, like actually uses his skills on the dirt bike to do something. And he gets into motocross and whatever. It it was really shitty. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't, there's nothing good to say about it except Saxon was good. Saxon looked good too. I mean, his, his hairpiece didn't look too bad and he, he didn't look too far from like, uh, you know, enter the dragon shape. Um, watching him trying to be emotional was, you know, pretty painful. Uh, maybe I'll get to talk to him about that here, you know, next couple of days. Uh, <laughs> hey, dude, you were crossing the line. Fuck you. Anyway, um, what was the next, that? He probably forgot it too. Oh, <laughs> was that the one where they paid me in 25 pesos? Um, <laughs> the next one I watched was No Escape. With uh, this was uh, when Ray Liotta had done Goodfellas. And they were basically strapping, as Vince McMahon would say, strapping a rocket on his ass and, you know, giving him the ball and letting him run with it. So they were trying to make him a star. And this was a um, one where they uh, he was getting a chance to be the lead leading man in an action movie. And um, it seemed to me like if you know, if you've seen Ray Liotta in anything, he kind of has a little bit of a, a of not a really super duper craggy face. But you can tell that he's had some like acne scarring, yeah, yeah definitely. And because they were making him like the lead Ramboish kind of guy in this, uh, it looked to me like everybody else was tan and like they had a lot of makeup on his face to cover up his his uh, not so um, good guy, handsome uh, craters or whatever you want to say. Anyway, but it, I saw this a long time ago when it was in the theater. It's basically a cross between Escape from New York and, um, like, uh, I was going to say Waterworld, kind of like that, uh, except it's not in the water. Um, Dry World. 
Yeah, he's a uh, he's a an ex. Well, and a lot of like uh, road warrior kind of shit with the what the people wear and everything. Um, he's an ex special forces guy, of course. You know how many movies have? There's more ex special forces guys running around, you know, kicking ass and uh, either that or going nuts in the movie world than there are in real life. And of course, he gets uh, arrested for something, doing something bad. And they they have an island that's the that's a prison surrounding, you know, and they can sense if you leave the island and then these helicopters show up and blow you up and he gets put on that island. And of course the island is, has warring factions. And, uh, one of the factions is, uh, the good faction. They're the good guys, the good, the good, bad guys. I hope they and, called themselves the good faction. Yeah. The good faction. <laughs> and it's led by Lance Henriksen. And, um, sweet. But he's, but it's such a mild. He's like the pussy Lance Hendrickson. Oh. He is the Max von Sydow from um, uh, the Ultimate Warrior. He is the hippie guru uh, leader. Gotcha. And then they have this other guy who was really good, and I can't remember who he was, but he had never. I don't think I've ever seen him anything else. He was the leader of the like barbaric, uh, barbarian hordes that were trying to you know, take over their fort. And he was good. He was like really maniacal and kind of funny sometimes. And Kevin Dillon, Ernie Hudson, um, whorehound. Kevin, huh? He'll be a whorehound too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, but Kevin Dillon, he played kind of like a, uh, like the guy that, um, he was like really super young and he, he had no business being in that place, you know, cause he was so young and innocent and naive. Well then he basically gets a, a man or a boy boner for Ray Liotta and wants to be his sidekick. <laughs> and, uh, it, nothing good comes of that. I'm sure it would have been better if like Ray Liotta would have been turned him into his bitch and would have been like raping him and stuff like that. But he probably wouldn't have had to rape him, but I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, Kevin Dillon, he had that look on his face like he needed a good raping. Um, the next thing, did I say it? Anyway, um, the next thing I watched was, you know, reep, reep, reep. I'm rubbing my legs, my swishy pants, sweatpants together, making that noise right now. It's kind of covering up my silent rage. Um, the next movie, why am I talking so fucking fast? It's only fucking Emily. Anyway. <laughs> uh, sorry, Emily. Um, she's always trying to get in her stuff before the phone kicks out. Uh, the next one was a classic. I, I kind of, I had to wash, um, crossing the line and some of this other shit out of my system by watching the third man with, uh, Joseph Cotton and Orson Welles. And, um, I have lately been breaking out some of my old VHS tapes, which are so dusty that that's no wonder that I have bronchitis. Um, it's pretty good. It, it, the story is is good. It's by Graham Greene, and um, but the the music in it, they played this music throughout the whole thing. That is just, I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? But um, I liked it. It's um, Joseph Cotton. To me, and it is not good. He's uh, he gets a call from this old friend of his that says, "Hey, I've got this this job. Uh, you know, if you want to come over to like Vienna, uh, Austria, and and, um, and uh, you can go to work for me." So when he shows up, he finds out his friend's been killed, and uh, then he starts finding out. From, the police start questioning his friend and say his friend was like the head of the this you know black market ring and all this and that. 
And uh, he just is, he's kind of, well, he's not like Jam. I was going to say he's like Jam Michael Vincent, the vigilante force, where he's so kind of dumb. But it's not that. It's I think it was more like just his acting or something. I don't know. I can't express to you that I was like, oh, my God, this guy's just fucking bad. And I know I've seen him in other shit, so maybe it was just the character. But anyway, it's good. It is a classic, and uh, it's a fun watch. Trevor Howard's good at it, too. He plays the uh, the, the uh, cop, cop slash uh, military guy because at that time, Vienna was divided into like the four sectors with the Russian, French, British, and American sectors. So they played off that too. Uh, the next one was really good. Um, I bought this at, um, where the hell I got it? Maybe a video store was going out of business or something. And it's been, sit- I probably have had it for 15 years and just never took it out and never watched it. Mm-hmm. And it's called the uh, Internecine Project uh, with James Coburn. Mm-hmm. And um, this was just fucking, I thought it was excellent. Um, I wish I would have watched it a long time ago. (laughs) I don't know why the fuck I just let it sit there and sit there and sit there. But I got a wild hair up my ass the other night. And uh, it had a lot of dust on it too. But it had a a plastic uh, uh, cover that was like closed up that covered the... The, it wasn't a clamshell box. It was just a cardboard. But anyway, um, Coburn basically works for um like these multinational corporation and um so he does like some underhanded shit or he basically is the guy that kind of uh organizes their underhanded shit like right. uh industrial espionage and stuff he has like a hooker working for him and she you know beds down these guys and you know gets them you know to, gets him to talk and give up secrets and stuff. And then uh, one guy's a, a, mas- a masseur or a masseuse. Is a masseuse is a woman and a masseur is a man? I actually don't like, like being called any of it. They like to be called a uh, massage therapist because masseuse gives the uh, the happy indication that you're giving happy endings. Yeah. Okay. I don't well, know how that happened, but... Put it this way. If this guy would have gave you a happy ending, it would have been like getting a happy ending from uh, fucking, I don't know what, he looked like a Cro-Magnum man. And it was... Uh, from Big John Studd. It was Harry Andrews from um, the movie The Hill and a lot of other stuff. And he looks like a, I mean, he is like a Cro-Magnum man. Um, <coughs> but he was good. Um, and so um, the guy that's the head of the corporation comes to Coburn and says, hey, you know, we need to, we need to uh, basically tidy up our organization i'm going to bring you to washington dc to work for us so they basically they tell him he's got four people that work for him that kind of try and get information for him and they tell him you have to eliminate all of them he basically has to kill them all so he devises a plan to uh have them all un and they none of them know uh, none of them even know about the other ones. They they don't even know they exist. And he devises a plan, and he has this really meticulous on how he's going to get them all to kill each other in one night. Uh-huh. So it was it was good. I liked it. Uh, right, right. And Coburn had a a mustache, and he looked pretty cool. Uh, I just <laughs> I don't know why I threw that in there, but it's the truth. Uh, the truth. The next one I watched was uh, apropos to the ending of our show. Uh, it was uh, Midnight Express with Brad Davis. And um, this was very, very good. 
Uh, I've seen it a bunch of times. I had the DVD down in my basement, also with a lot of stuff dust. And I watched it. Um, it's not... At the time when it first came out, man, it was known for being just so brutal. Right. And everything. Now you watch it now, and with all the shit that we see today, it seems almost tame in comparison as far as what they show. But it's so bleak, and it's a true story. Um, and I have Brad Davis's uh, – my sister got me Brad Davis's uh, uh, biography. Of course, well, would it be a – I guess it would be a – still be a biography but he was dead but his wife wrote it That's and bi- talked yeah, about biography autobiography yeah, is only if, if it's in yeah words, if somebody yeah. yeah um so it's uh it still holds up it's still good and like i said it's not it's not i guess in it it's kind of a triumph of the will kind of a thing but uh i you know like i said i i had read read uh brad davis's uh book that his wife wrote and um she didn't you know, they they portray this guy as being, you know, this innocent guy. And, you know, he was just this poor uh, uh, American, you know, who got caught up in in some stuff, whatever. And she said he, that she actually met the guy and Brad Davis was hanging out with him. and They were doing drugs together and everything. And she said the guy was a fucking total scumbag. So Billy Haynes. Um, That's what I've heard, good, too. That, that, yeah, I've heard that. He wasn't like a, a really good guy. Like they portrayed him. Um. Randy Quaid was really good in that. I mean, and uh, John um, Hurt uh, was also very good. And um, the next one was uh, a, do- a documentary called uh, Girl 27. And um, it's on Netflix, Instant Watch. And what it's about is um, MGM back in the studio days. You know, they basically were, you know, you were, if you worked for them, you were a property of MGM. And they ran it almost like a uh, like the mafia or something like that. Right. Well, they would get these these girls to do because they used to do all the you know dance numbers and things like that. And um, they would get these girls and have them under contract to be like dancers or or you know uh, people in the background and stuff like that. And um, they would they uh, at the time MGM had these salesmen that worked all over the country that would go to the movie theaters and sell, I guess the the, you know, the movies that, you know, you, this one, that one, but to all the different movie theaters. So in, to show their appreciation, they had all the salesmen come to Hollywood for these conventions and, um, which basically treat them, you know, like Kings or whatever. And they went to this resort and, um, uh, they, they um, had all these girls that were under contract, and they would say, "Okay, go down to costume. You have to pick out a costume, blah blah," and gave them the impression that they were going to be shooting a movie. And what it was is they were almost like using them like prostitutes. They would have them go to these this convention, and uh, this girl, um, this scumbag guy that worked for MGM, uh, ended up raping this girl. Well, she was only like I think fifteen or sixteen years old. She was underage and everything, and. Um, but it's it's uh, kind of apropos to the Joe Paterno thing that's going on right now, oh, yeah. because um, they just completely and totally covered it up. They tried to smear her and anybody else that came forward. Um, they did basically, and you know, and uh, the good part about it was um, 
like the one I watched last time about the girls that um, that uh, confronted their the the guy that molested them when they were kids. Uh, she didn't get a chance to do that because the guy had died. Mm. And but the documentarian went and found the guy's grave and and went and, and this woman's like an old woman now. She's like in her seventies or whatever, or, or you know eighties. And um, but she, you know, it it showed how it it just she was only like I said like 15 years old at the time and it totally fucked up her life forever yeah. i mean for and she's 80 years old or whatever and from 15 to 80 she was totally she's totally fucked up couldn't have a relationship with a man she didn't trust anybody she basically lived like a recluse uh and still does you know because she just was like and it was sad hearing her talk about it because she's she seemed like a spunky old broad you know yeah, yeah. and uh but uh, um she would be like right in the middle of it, and um, uh, while he was interviewing her, <coughs> and um, um, they would start, they would talk about uh, what happened or whatever. And she was a virgin at the time, and he basically, you know, got on top of her and raped her and everything. And uh, the, there was other guys there that like uh, they they were trying to give her scotch, and she had never had like alcohol and she said you know this stuff smells she goes i don't want to drink it and they're like oh come on drink it so then they mixed it with something else and she goes i don't want it and they they like said i'll try it try it try it and held it up to her mouth and like poured it in her mouth and you know down her and it was you know just it was just disgusting but like she would be right in the middle he'd be asking her about something like that and she would just be like um i don't want to talk about this anymore today you know, just it's, it it just hit her in such a way, and she'd start reliving it, I guess, in her head, and and it, and she would just be like, you know, it was weird because she'd just be right in the middle of a sentence, and she'd be like, I just don't want to talk anymore about this today, and he really, he, she didn't want to even do the thing. She when he called her the first time, um, I think she said she would, maybe she hung up on him, and then he persisted, and she said, okay, I'll do it, and he kind of won her over, and and uh, which was cool. Uh, the next one I watched was The Scout with uh, Albert Brooks and um, Ellen <laughs> Burstyn and uh, George of the Jungle himself, uh, Brendan Fraser. And you know what? <laughs> I, I kind of liked this movie. Sure, it was it was silly and a lot of you know, like with some of the comedy stuff. But I just like Albert Brooks and and. Um, Watching him do his—I mean, he basically does, with the exception of uh, of Drive, uh, which he was kind of totally out. Of, he was out of character in the fact that he was that violent and everything. Yeah. But he was still kind of just Albert Brooks. Yeah. He, he was talking and stuff, but I just like his character. If, if that's just a character, he but plays a good like scummy guy. Yeah, and uh, and so and Ellen Burstyn, I always liked her. So I mean, you know, Brendan Fraser. I'll tell you what, I was trying to make a a uh, a plea for uh, Brendan Fraser. I've seen him in a couple of movies, <coughs> the uh, 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 Gods and Monsters with Magneto, <laughs> which I like that movie. It was good. <coughs> Once I get a little drinky winky because I'm having a little coffee waffee. Ooh, um, I need some more. Co- I need some more coffee, Waffy. And I thought he was pretty good in uh, the Quiet American with Michael Caine, which was another Graham Greene uh, written uh, um, story. But anyway, Steve Nebraska, you know, 
he's and you love this because you know i figured if anybody would love this movie it would be you because he gets to go play he, every kid's dream he gets to go play for the yankees and steinbrenner's in it too yay yankees yay play another one to me um, all righty the crickets are out today <laughs> um it's supposed to snow here today really this evening yeah jesus little bit um Next movie I watched was uh, Keanu Reeves' Tour de Force, uh, which was called Street Kings, which had a pretty damn good cast in it. It, uh, Forrest Whitaker, uh, of course, Keanu Reeves, John Corbett. um, I'm trying to think who the other fuckers were in this. I can't remember. Terry Crews was in it. Um, But it was... um, I'm not the biggest fan of Keanu Reeves, but he was good in this. Um, It was a good, uh, gritty kind of... uh, not, well, sort of Dirty Harry-ish or Popeye Doyle-ish or something like that. He was a an alcoholic cop, but he drove a cool car and he was the, you know, the guy that, that um, he he let his, I don't know, he was a good cop and he, but he was known for like, you know, blowing people away, which I, I don't know if that's a good thing. I guess if the right... <laughs> Only if the right people get killed. It had some pretty gritty stuff in it, and um, I like I like um, I was just I almost watched Serpico. I like movies about like police corruption and the good cop against the, you know, the, against uh, the whole um, department that's the corrupt. System, yeah. The system, yes. Ah, yes, the system. Anyway, but it was good. Uh, they made a sequel, which I haven't seen, also starring Ray Liotta. I guess he took over the mantle of Keanu called Street Kings 2. I haven't seen it, wow. but my friend said it wasn't bad. That's an amazing uh, name. <laughs> well, it's, pretty, it's, it's okay. It's a T-O-O. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, 2, 2, 2. Next one I watched was The American with uh, George Clooney. Yeah. Um, I like this movie. I saw it one time when it first came out and then uh, I bought it, but I haven't watched it since. And I threw it in and it's still, it's very good. Very, very good. I liked it. Um, one thing I noticed that, and you know, because it's a pretty popular movie, everybody's probably talked about it before anyway. But um, at the very beginning, uh, when he is like in the mountain cabin and it's snowing and stuff and, and he's sitting on the edge of the bed and his girlfriend is laying on the bed naked on her stomach. Her ass crack looks like it's four feet long. <laughs> I don't know if she just had like a kind of a flat ass, so you couldn't tell distinguish between where her ass crack stopped and the crack between like her two legs started. <laughs> but her ass crack looked like I swear to God, it was so long. I was like, that's kind of weird looking. You know, she could fucking sit on a fucking um, wedding cake or something. Cake for it. Anyway, <laughs> I liked it. Uh, <clears throat> lots of good um, location shots. Uh, Clooney, you know, he's. I like Clooney. I don't give a fuck. Uh, there was one montage in it, which I I think it's funny when the, uh, Hollywood stars have like a, tr- a personal trainer, and so they have to have a montage. Uh, uh, whether it's long or short, like a Stallone one where they're playing music, or whatever. But Clooney had to have his little montage where he was doing sit-ups, oh, yeah. pull-ups, and yoga. So I was like, come on, that's that's. It seemed kind of goofy. Um, 
The next thing I watched was a you'll like this because it's, it's something we've discussed many times. Um, a music documentary about a band that really hates each other's guts, oh, and that is uh, Metallica's "Some Kind of Monster." Um, Metall, I did okay. Now, see, I like I like old Metallica. I had no idea that they had problems with each other. I, I stay ignorant when it comes to. Did you band know that politics. until I just said that? I had no idea that they hated each other. Oh fuck, Jesus! <laughs> I know not to watch that documentary now. Okay. I had seen this when it first came out, and I really liked it because I thought, you know, this is pretty, you know, it was, it was good. Um, but even then, I felt this way. And then when I watched it the other day, which was, you know, a couple of years after I had seen it, I felt this even more more strongly. Um, they came off. If I was them, I would not have done this documentary. They come off like the biggest whining ass bunch of pussies I have ever <laughs> fucking heard. You know, because Metallica is supposed to be badass. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, that was an uncanny James Hetfield impersonation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, and even Dave Mustaine from Megadeth is in there, and he is so pathetic. Because basically what it is, is they decide we're going to make a new album. So what are we going to do? We're going to get this guy, Bob Rock, who was like the producer of John Bon Jovi and <laughs> like groups that I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, maybe he's a good producer. I don't know. But he came off like a fucking dick, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, they decide they're going to make a new album. They hadn't had an album in a while, and they're going to they're going to try something different. Okay, instead of just James going off and writing lyrics, and then coming back and saying, "Here's the lyrics. Let's make a song out of it." Um, they're going to do everything in a group, and they hired a therapist that was going to like be with them constantly and give them therapy sessions, group therapy sessions, and everything, which was just all right off the bat. Somebody should have just said, "Look." This is a fucking bad idea. <laughs> Writing songs by committee is a bad idea. You know, let's get everybody's input, everybody's feelings. And having this little old um, yuppie guy sitting there, you know, talking to him the whole time. And then Bob Rock, okay, um, Jason Newstead quit uh, yeah. because uh, James Hetfield, um, he said, I want to, you know, we haven't done any new records or anything like that. Um, I want to kind of do a little side project here with just a small band and, you know, start and, but it's not going to be like a big thing or anything. And he was just like, no, you're either going to be with Metallica or you're fucking out of here. So he said, fuck you. I quit, you know, I quit. <laughs> and uh, so then the whole thing too, I'm putting chapstick on my lips. I'm not, I'm not rubbing a big dick on the end of my lips right now. Not yet. Because I don't uh, right now in this house there is no big dick. Anyway, <laughs> and I wouldn't want it if there was. Uh, raging silent rage. Click click click. Anyway, um, <laughs> so this producer Bob Rock he um, decides rage. he's yeah silent rage. He decides <laughs> I guess you know while they're making the album that. Um, since they don't have a bass player, well, I'll just sit in and play bass, you know. And and uh, Lars comes off like a little little. Uh, first of all, he chews fucking gum constantly, and he's like, 
Well, you know, and he talks like a saying way. It's kind of got a little, you know, little sort of semi speech impediment. And then, and he just comes off like a little puss. Uh, James Hetfield uh, is such a, uh, just a dick. And he is, they, they just are like whining pussies. And so then they get Dave Mustaine, who was in Metallica for like a year, first, like for a year. Yeah, their first album, I think. Yeah. And then he was just a real bad, they were all bad alcoholics, but he was a, a jerk, uh, like a mean alcoholic. So they kicked him out of the band. So the, for therapy, they, um, Lars and, um, oh, I can't remember what the guys, is, is it Kurt, the guitar player? Yeah, yeah, Lee, yeah. Player? Okay. The therapist has those two get together with uh, Dave Mustaine. And Dave Mustaine's like, you know, it really hurt my feelings, Lars. <laughs> I, I really, I just wanted, you know, where's my, where's my little Swedish friend or wherever the fuck he's from, you know? And he was so whiny, you know, I go walking down the street and people yell metallic at me just, just to be an asshole, just to hurt me. And it really hurts me bad. And I'm like, fuck, here's the guy who's the lead singer, founder of Megadeth, who always tried to come off like this, just, almost semi evil mean badass crazy guy and he is a whimpering whining puss so they should <laughs> never have made this but it was it got a lot of good uh, reviews as far as being a documentary mm-hmm. but man it made them look bad and just different they talk about the Napster thing too and yeah. you know um, moving right along so that one kind of made an impression I just I talked about it more than I should have but it just they were just such pussies <laughs> so even though they hate each other uh, and I think when I, what I was thinking I was talking to a guy I work with and he's really into music he plays uh, you know guitar and everything and just loves it the reason it came up was he was watching I guess they have a, a full a new full concert of Metallica on like uh, YouTube that's in HD and he was watching i was like man that looks really i mean just the high def looked great um but um we were talking about like what you said about these music documentaries and how these bands it seems like all of them hate each other yeah, yeah well um you know but one thing that we were you know discussing was you know almost like the wrestlers uh when you're on the road constantly and touring constantly and you're staying in a hotel room and you know you, but you're with the same guys constantly uh for 90 days 100 days or whatever on a bus or on an airplane you're hung over and everything it's just like where even at a regular job like what I have or you have or whatever after a while certain people start getting on your nerves yeah. and it's just little things and you hold it in you hold it in you hold it in and I think these guys, these a lot of these bands have just been together for so long that um, they're staying together for the money and because the band is successful. But they really, if they were normal people, they would have went their separate ways sure. because they've just worn out their friendship or whatever. Anyway, next movie was uh, Dillinger with uh, Warren Oates and Ben Johnson. And um, it um, you had talked about the Michael Mann uh, John Dillinger movie, uh, camera, uh, Public Enemy, Public Enemas, yes. um, and um, how it was boring. Well, this one, if you want to watch a John Dillinger movie that's not boring, this is the one. Yeah, I was going to say, this, this already, uh, with Warren Oates, already sounds better yeah. than the fucking... It was highly entertaining. Uh, Warren Oates, uh, very charismatic, uh, but he, he, you know, he didn't sugarcoat it. He played Dillinger as kind of a... 
you know, kind of a butthole, but uh, a good butthole. I mean, he language. He slaps his slaps his uh, broad around, and um, it's got um, oh shit. Uh, is it Steve Canale? He was in Big Wednesday. He played uh, Sally's husband that uh, broke William Cat's heart. Uh, He's in it. He plays Pretty Boy Floyd. And Richard Dreyfuss, uh, who I'm going to punch out for bumping into Emily, um, (laughs) he plays uh, Babyface Nelson. And he's a fucking dick. He is an asshole in this movie. And he, Warren Oates, kind of, you know, puts him in his place. But it's a good movie. Uh, Also, Harry Dean Stanton's in it. And uh, and a bunch of other people. So it's it's pretty good. It's... um, I'm trying to think who directed that one. John Milius. Yeah, Milius. That, that's exactly right. And, and and it has all the flair. Milius is, uh, you know, a good storyteller as mm-hmm. far as macho shit goes because he's a big macho fat ass blowhard. But he <laughs> but it, but he knows how to do it. Now, okay. And segueing. Speaking of uh, big fat ass blowhards, I watched the documentary uh, overnight about uh, Troy Duffy that uh, made Boondock Saints. Mm-hmm. And have you seen that? No. Oh, my God. This guy. But I hate Boondock Saints. So. Okay. Well, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is such an asshole. He, it's when the, you know, when the Tarantino thing went down with uh, Pulp Fiction and everything, Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction, you know, Hollywood was looking for the, you know, because Tarantino had worked in a video store and really didn't have any, uh, like film film school or any kind of yeah. thing like that. Uh, they were looking for people like that with new ideas and everything. So they find this this fucking guy who worked in a bar. He's a bartender and all this and that. And he is such a fucking obnoxious asshole. <laughs> and you know, like I think uh, Miramax. Um, he talked to Harvey Weinstein and because he had the script Boondock Saints. And it was going to be the next big thing. And I mean, it was getting all this, these write-ups and all these trade magazines and, and, um, um, at, uh, Weinstein, I guess they had made a deal that they would buy his movie. Uh, and, um, I think they were going to let him direct it. And one of the stipulations also was that they would buy this bar that he worked in and, and for him to have, you know, as part of his pay. And he, and then like just, 2.2 2.2 seconds instead of going okay I have this fucking chance I'm going to do exactly what they say and everything. he goes into I'm not taking no shit from nobody you know I go into these fucking meetings and they're all sitting around in suits I come in I'm fucking hung over and he's fucking he's always talking I'm fucking this I'm fucking that and I'm like hey Harvey you know we need to fucking do this we need to get this fucking guy and this fucking you know and and, and he's talking to like uh, uh, the the William Morris talent agency or whatever. And I mean, just cussing people out of me. So eventually these people are like, you know what? You're a fucking asshole. And they took like everything away from him. And so that's why boondock saints, when it first came out, it was, um, it was not made by like a big studio, it was some little thing. And then people kind of found it on uh, VHS and picked it up. And when I, you know, when I do talk, I go a lot. I think, I don't know if it's my teeth or what? But as I'm saying that, like they went and and fuck that shit. Fuck it. Any, anyway, but um, this documentary, like this documentary, this. God, now that's really going to bother me. And nobody has even brought that up in a long time, except for your lisp. Anyway, it's better than me. Like this, 
the suffer of fuck at that movie. Um, but this is a documentary that is well worth uh, finding because it is the rise and fall of someone who deserves the fall, <laughs> and he is a jerk. And they they I guess somebody gave him another chance because he made Boondock Saints two, and I started watching that and I made it to about maybe twenty minutes. And I thought, man, this is almost just like Boondock Saints. It's almost the exact same thing. And eh. so I tapped out. Um, the only other thing I have to add is, I guess, um, uh, the wrestler, Mark Canterbury, who was uh, Henry Godwin uh, of the Godwins. Uh, he had a really major car wreck yesterday and he's from West Virginia and apparently he ran like over into a ravine his car and um, he had like 13 broken ribs two punctured lungs broke his legs and he was in critical ICU so I haven't heard anything uh, haven't checked but I saw that last night and and uh, uh, the the um, to catch a predator guy himself, uh, Rob Feinstein of RF Video posted something uh, about you know that he was in really bad shape and you know thoughts and prayers kind of a deal, but uh, that's about it. Uh, it, was, it was it wasn't a bad week. It started out to be a really good week, and then as I got closer to <laughs> to uh, Thursday, I realized that I needed to watch two movies that we were actually going to review. <laughs> And so then I just kind of slowed down. And I started watching Seinfeld, or not Seinfeld, but uh, back episodes of The Office. Cool. Yeah, I, start, I, start, I tried to get caught up on Walking Dead. I haven't watched the season yet, but I only made it. I almost finished the first episode, but it was a slow week for me. Um, I, uh, uh, I guess over the weekend, um, my wife and I have been uh, hanging out watching some, watching some movies. Um, and we watched, uh, we watched Insidious. Um, she chose a couple. Um, it was, it was okay. Um, it's, uh, James Wan directed it at the, one of the co-creators of Saw. Um, you could Is see. Is that the one where they, they play tiptoe through the tulips? Yes, yes. Okay, I saw that. Um, it was okay. I, I like, I like Patrick Wilson, but his, the lady that plays his wife in it, Rose Byrne, she is fucking awful. Mm. God, she's so bad. She, there's a scene I paused it, rewound it, and played it again because it was so bad when mm. she yells at him like, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. And let me tell you, my impersonation of it just then was more convincing than what she was in this movie. It was really... You, it was you didn't believe her. I didn't believe her at all. Okay, um, I know who she is now. Ugh, I, I, terrible. Yeah, she's kind of like a, a dish rag <sighs> as far as looks go. Not not ugly, but she's not... Eh. I like some of the visuals in the movie. Um, I liked the uh, Darth the, Maul. Yeah, the Darth Maul guy. Um, it looked good, but I mean, you know, overall it's pretty pretty average. But again, as everyone knows now, I'm not the hugest horror person, so I like Patrick Wilson better when he was trying to molest Ellen Page. <laughs> I didn't like that movie at all, by the way. Really? Ugh. I thought that movie was great. Uh, I'm like the only person I know. That and that fucking movie where the chick has teeth in her vag. I hated that one, too. Uh, I never saw the tick, chick with teeth in her vag. Ugh, that's another <coughs> that's shitty one. What is it? Um, so, yeah, Insidious was okay. And then we watched uh, Red State. Yeah. Um, what you think? What you, you think about that? I liked Insidious more. Um, so, <laughs> I did not think Red State was that good. Yeah, I didn't think it was good at all. Uh, we we ended up um, f- 
fast well, well not fast forward. We ended up one point five speeding it. I, that's why one thing <laughs> reason I love the fucking PlayStation. You can play movies at one point five speed. Mm. Oh Give God. it a little extra boost to get Give through. Give it an extra so- boost, yeah. Boost, yeah. So it almost cuts a movie in half. It's amazing. You can still tell what everybody's saying. Yeah. So, well, that's like the uh, fucking uh, uh, VLC player. Uh, believe yeah, me, there's yeah. been many a time where I've <laughs> sped through some shit on that. The guy that played um, the the crazy preacher in it, he was awesome. What's that guy's name? Michael Parks. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome in it. What, why do I know that name? Again, he I'm just telling um, He's um, uh, uh, Deputy Sheriff Earl McGraw from all the Tarantino movies, where he's the uh, the the cop that um, um, in Kill Bill. You know, with the yeah. shades, and yeah, he's got yeah, yeah, number yeah. one son. Oh, he was at the he was he was the in the Mexican brothel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's in all kind. Of, I mean, he play, he's a reoccurring character there, and he also played Adam in the John Huston movie, The Bible, and he was naked. Uh, he's good. He's he's been a lot. He had a TV show. He actually was a big like a TV star. Um, there was a it was called a, a I think a Long Came Bronson, mm-hmm. and he was this guy who rode his motorcycle just like the whole show was like he would ride his motorcycle in the like late sixties, maybe early seventies across the country. And he would just stop and it was, you know, how he would meet people in the town or get a job and stuff like that, help him out. He was kind of like a philosopher kind of a guy. And he was also a singer. If you get online, I think you can find him like singing some songs with Johnny Cash because the song that was the theme song from that TV show was like an actual hit. Oh, wow. But I always liked him. He, he played, um, there was a Chuck Norris movie. I think it, uh, I think it was maybe called Hitman. And he was Chuck's partner, and he turned on Chuck. And uh, they were cops, and he turned on Chuck, and then Chuck had to hunt him down. That was a that was a dark haired, bearded Chuck movie. But uh, yeah, uh, he has. I I um I don't I can't. That movie had promise. Red State. Yeah. Um, it, I, I I really liked him. I did not like the scene where he's kind of like established, it went on way too fucking long. Yeah. Way, way long. And way long. then the, I don't know. There's some elements of it I liked, but then it just, I don't know. By the time it was over, I'm like, and I don't have a problem. I know a lot of people have had a problem like that. It, that the movie was, the message was a little heavy handed. I don't care about that. Whatever. I mean, if you get your message across, so be it. But just the story itself, I didn't think was very good. I didn't like the way it was wrapped up. I didn't like the way the movie ended. I don't know. It to just... me, it, it tried to be everything to everybody. Yeah. Okay. It tried to be like, okay, the Westboro Baptist Church is, is because Kevin Smith kind of has a feud with them. Westboro Baptist Church is bad. But then they absolved the Westboro Baptist Church to say, John Goodman says, well, this isn't, oh, you're thinking about the Westboro Baptist Church. They're just, they're just so crazy. They're not violent. And then the, the about the, uh, like the Waco thing yeah, with the yeah. cops being like that. And, you know, it just, um, now I heard that they shot it. And the one thing I thought would have been great if they would have had the balls to do it when the, spoiler alert, Turn your things off if you haven't seen Red State. When the horns were going off, yeah, yeah. If that would have actually, if they would have ended that, that it was the apocalypse, and that the Westboro Baptist Church or whatever these people were were right. I'm not religious, but I think that would have been fucking great. Yeah. And apparently, they shot it like that. They oh. shot two different endings, where it was going to be that, and then when they, 
the whole thing with Goodman at the end where they where he explained it and they're like, you know, what what hey, before you go, what were those horns? You know, and he explains it as like, oh, you know, give me a fucking yeah, all that that what funny. a coincidence. Yeah. So, so Kevin Smith. I, I, I don't know. I liked um I liked Clerks the first one. The second one was a little bit uh you know, I, I fucking hated the second one. The, the second one was the the most obvious dick joke ever written. Yeah. I like and okay. The only good you guys thing have heard they, they the show asked, by now. Yeah. Go ahead. I was like, you guys have heard the show by now. You know, I'm I'm okay with dick jokes, but uh, come on. I mean, it 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 got old. I mean, when once they they brought the donkey in, I was like, that isn't even fucking funny. Yeah, it's all it was. Uh, the only thing good about it was um, they they tried to clear up the whole ass to mouth thing. <laughs> and you know, I'd never have tried to clear it up. I just go with it. <laughs> just go with it. Just roll with it, man. Shit. Yeah. Oh, Michael Parks is in Death Wish Five. Um, all right. So then I watched uh I watched another documentary this week. <gasps> that wasn't very good. It was okay. It was Conan O'Brien Can't Stop. Um kind of a it documented his comedy tour after he was kinda after he left NBC but before he started on TBS. Is he a dick? No, he seemed very nice. Uh, I mean, at to- like, I think he's driven at times, and I think that might like I think it can be troublesome to people around him. But I, he he seems very like he still he still seems it, I don't know he didn't seem it didn't come across as that in the film. So does he hate Jay Leno? I can't. You can't really get a sense of that either. He hates what happened at NBC, and mm. I can tell he has an issue with like the higher ups. I don't know how much of a problem he has with Jay Leno, although he does do a pretty mean like impersonation of him once in the documentary. Well, you know what's bad is um, I used to watch. I liked you know, when when Conan O'Brien had his show on NBC. Yeah. I watched it all the time, and they moved it to TBS. And every once in a while, I'll catch something. And he has good music. Like he's one of these ones that um, <clears throat> to discover new artists that you've never listened to. If you watch his show, usually his musical guests are somebody that's like a, an up and coming yeah. young band. Yeah. And I've found a lot, uh, you know, seen a lot of really cool groups and you go back and like, Oh, I remember seeing, you know, the breeders, which better than pixies, uh, see them on there and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> no, they're not. anyway, um, but like stuff like that. And, and it's a shame. I don't know what it is, but it's the exact same show. And I don't like the other, like Jimmy Kimmel, or not Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon yeah. and um, Craig Ferguson's okay. He has some different guests on there, but I, I just I don't really like him. But for some reason, I don't know what it is. Conan just kind of I can't imagine that he's way. doing great ratings or anything. Well, it, it's better than George I think Lopez. He's doing, I think he, yeah, I think he's doing better ratings with younger crowd because I think that's who yeah. they were targeting by moving to TBS anyway. Yeah. And they don't really talk too much about TBS. They really just talk about his live tour. And um, well, this will give you an example of like it's, that he seems cool. Like um, they were talking about this moment when these you know people were complaining that he brushed them off for an autograph, and he's like, "There's no way." He's like, "I would never fucking do that." Like he curses in it, which was really weird. But yeah. when you see like Jay Leno or any of these guys, when you see them in real life and they use profanity. Like you never see them that like that on TV, so it's kind of weird hearing him say fucking shit a lot. But um, he said he said there's no way I would never do that. He said I go out of my way, and then it shows this other like to- like related but you know beforehand scene where <laughs> there's a guy standing outside, uh, wanting his autograph, and um, 
he's like, could you go out there? And like, he's pointing out the window. He's like, grab that guy's whatever. And I'm so I can sign it. Like he had one of his guys go out and it was like, they, they were prepping for the show and he went and outside and grabbed the guy's little flyer or whatever. So, so Conan could sign it for him. So, mm -hmm. So, I mean, just I, sent the masturbating bear out there. <laughs> well, they, he changed it to the self-pleasuring panda. Because, uh, because NBC kept the masturbating bear. Oh, so. <laughs> no, that's just fucking ri ridiculous. Because yeah. uh, they had to leave all his intellectual property. So they, mm. I think they made a joke that the masturbating bear was even considered intellectual property. And No uh, one will ever steal or own our intellectual property. <laughs> and, uh, so <laughs> and as I said that, I said interaction, intellectual. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was, it was decent. I, I wasn't a huge fan. It was, I mean, you know, documentary. So I was bored. His fucking hair is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, fuck. I like the guy. He seems all right, but man, he's eight feet tall, and then he's got that the dumbest fucking the red uh, door. I know it's his trademark, but still, this mustache is fucking horrible. And before you go <laughs> any further, I hate I, I hate to to hold this up because you know we don't want the show to go long. Um, that mustache <laughs> wax. I ordered it. And it's not what I thought it would be. Have you ever used you use yeah, that? Yeah, I use it all. I use it all the time. So, wait, so you're long enough to wax? Not yet. Okay. Just my pubes. Anyway, and it hurts when you pull the hair out. Um, <laughs> that's a Brazilian joke. Anyway, click, click. Uh, um, no, you get the little tin, right? <laughs> and I thought this stuff. This stuff is so hard. Oh well, I no. See, I, I have it in a tube, and it's it's uh -huh. almost like the texture of toothpaste. Okay, see, this shit is like just like in a little tin, uh, and it might as well just be like a candle in there with no wax. And I'm putting my finger on it, and it's it's like it's there's nothing. Is something coming off? You know, you need club so, man. I know club I got man. the wrong shit, but I, I'm I'm uh, you know I'm cultivating. Um, sometimes I curse this fucking shit, and sometimes I like it. I like it a lot. So uh, I did. I gave myself a little private screening next of Salo or the 120 Days of Sodom. I know, you, I know you like this one a lot. Well, uh, okay, go ahead. No, no, no. I will. I having if you read about it first, if 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 you go in and you judge the movie on visuals and content. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's great. Yeah, it's gonna be terrific. But okay, so what I like about it is that it was a. It was well. It was what um, Serbian film was trying to be. Yeah. In that it was a social thing that was a. Did with you a see Serbian image. film? Yeah. Okay, I have not seen that. Okay. And and um um I have. <sighs> I don't think I want to see it, but then every once in a while I'll think you know eh I have I still haven't seen that but I don't want to see it now nah, I just forget it. I if you have a problem it. with Silo, you might have a problem with that. Yeah, I mean I I, I read the whole. They have like the whole thing where it tells everything that happened in Serbian film, and it, and just I mean reading it, I just don't want to see it. But but uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, so well, anyway, I, we have a digital projector in the theater. So after everybody was gone the other night, I locked the doors and and took gave, your pants and, off. I took my 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 shorts off and uh, had myself a private sallow screening, and it was pretty good. I, it was pretty cool watching it like that. But I, I really liked the movie. Um, it's uh, and I was just saying this on the special GGTMC I just recorded that I've seen a lot of trash by this point. So uh -huh. it's like out of like in that context, the movie's still still d like you know depraved and pretty rough. Right. But right. you know I've seen a lot of this stuff since. And well, with me, um, okay, yeah, there were a few almost semi or not semi, uh, like vomit inducing scenes <laughs> yeah. that like, you know, okay, I'm watching cake farter and gagging, 
<laughs> you can imagine uh, the like giant platter thing with a meal and everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's not as much that. Okay, that was gross. Some of the stuff that was gross. Yeah. But the thing that got me more than anything that bothers me the most, and that's like irreversible with that rape scene yeah. and stuff like that, is just um, the utter helplessness. Like I said, I'm very a very empathetic kind of a person, so I I kind of like somebody was talking about like uh, last night. Um, this person lived on a farm, and this raccoon was getting into stuff, and um, so they set a trap. And it was one of those no kill traps, and the raccoon gets in the in the thing, and the guy tells his wife, you know, hey, I got this. <laughs> this is a long story, but the the guy actually had been in jail, so he couldn't have a gun. And he called his wife, and he said, hey, we caught this raccoon. What am what am I supposed to do with it? And she said, well, you should kill it. And he said, well, you know, we don't have a gun, and so he drowned the raccoon in a Ooh. barrel of water. And I was telling the people at work, I said, I could never do that because I would think, oh, my God, this is how big of a puss I am. I'm talking about Metallica. But, I mean, just the <laughs> thought of what the animal would be thinking, yeah. you know, as it's just, you know, you're drowning it. But anyway, that's the way I feel about that. You know, I see these movies and you, you put yourself in the position of that person, the victim. Yeah. And just the, the, the utter inhumanity of these people. And how they just have no feelings whatsoever for uh, uh, no empathy, no nothing. They're just, I mean, they literally are monsters. Yeah. Well, that and, was, it was, and, but, it, it was him, it was him like <laughs> one speaking out against the fascist government and right, right. what he called neo capitalist governments mm -hmm. that had sprung up since then. But, well, the, the, the sad, I mean, the, the, and one of the things that makes it even worse is, is, there are people like that in today in our society, yeah. like serial killers and stuff like that, and and you know with the Nazis and the shit that they did, or like you said, the fa all these fascist governments, or even you know my God, the, the people torturing people in Guantanamo Bay or whatever. I mean, it's like how could you do that to another person? But then, uh, to me, I don't, I don't know. But that's the the thing that bothered me the most about that movie was just that uh, it there. Sure, there was some gross stuff in it, but it was just the sheer helplessness and the just that the the uh how a human being could do that kind of stuff yeah. without any rhyme reason or thought or well, i mean i guess there's plenty of thought because they just didn't give a fuck they just you know i don't know but it was uh, i i bought that movie and it sits on the shelf uh <laughs> right behind me and i said i'll never watch it again well yeah, it it's, it disturbed good. me that much. I, I got it on I got it on Blu-ray actually. Uh, Barnes and Noble has a half-off Criterion right now, and mm -hmm. um, my friends uh, Philip and Kara, shout out to you guys, gave me uh, they they were able to get me some like super cheap. Um, so I got like five or six Criterions this week for mm -hmm. less than fifty percent off, and it was awesome. But uh, that's the one thing about that movie is like you said, it it is it is a, it's a masterpiece. I would say it's a masterpiece. It's a classic. Yeah. But ugh. yeah, the the essays written with it with the Criterion are really interesting yeah. to read. So, um, so anyway, moving on, we're getting really long. The um, I watched uh, the new uh, boing. Um, boing Michael Shannon movie, Take Shelter. Um, I went in with really, really, really high hopes with this. Um, it's uh, directed by uh, Jeff Nichols, who who also did Shotgun Stories, which I really, really liked. Um, <laughs> no. 
Uh, I don't like that. I thought it was dull. It was so dull. Well, this one, I loved. I loved Michael Shannon in it, but the story, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't. I, I, maybe I need to see it again. I just, it didn't sit right, and I didn't like the way it ended really, or I didn't understand what they were trying to say with the end. And it's definitely worth seeing. And like I said, this I said this earlier today. It's, it's definitely worth seeing for his performance alone, if anything. Mm-hmm. But, oh, he's a good actor, yeah. Yeah, it's and, and he'll probably be recognized at the Oscars this year in some way. I think he'll get a nomination for this at least. So I, I thought he was amazing, but the movie, I don't know, still torn on it. Um, we watched uh, for the Gentleman's Guide special mm-hmm. episode. Uh, we watched Night of the Running Man. Um, it's uh, you can hear my review of it probably on Gentleman's Guide feed, but um, it's an Andrew McCarthy movie from the mid '90s. Um, it ended up being a lot darker than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, not and not in a bad way. I liked it. It's um, it was surprisingly good. Was he um, a big pussy in it? Kind of. He's like, like kind of a uh, he's a he's just a, like a generic taxi driver, and he comes across mm. a million dollars from a failed robbery, and mm. so now there's like a hitman after him that won't, whose boss wants the money back. If so, you ever watch Saint Elmo's Fire, oh my god, I I I just no, it's not just that movie. It's like uh, Pretty in Pink yeah. and some of those movies. He kind of plays the same guy yeah. in all these movies, and he is such a fucking annoying yuppie wimp. He I he looks oh. with his goatee in this fucking movie. He looks ex- almost exactly like Danny McBride at times. It's really funny. Mm. <laughs> well, and then he's the kind of guy like almost like Ricky Schroeder or something like that. He has that persona, and then and then he will. To, to try and break out of that, he'll grow a goatee yeah, yeah, or yeah. something like that, or slick his hair back and try and be a bad guy or something. It's like, <laughs> dude, give me a break. Um, and then another one of the criterions I got was so, so what else I got besides um, Sallow? I got Videodrome Criterion Blu ray. I got um, Modern Times. I got uh, what else? Got a couple others. I'm, I'm having trouble thinking which they what they were. But I got this one that I had never seen, um, the Night of the Hunter with Robert Mitchum. Mitchum, I almost watched that uh, two days ago. So good. Yeah. I had never seen it before. Um, and did you want to go out and get love and hate tattooed on your knuckles on each side of my cock? And then if just just for for Mitchum's sake, get love and hate tattooed on your knuckles. Then put your fucking knuckles in a drawer and have somebody kick the drawer shut. <laughs> the um, it's uh, it's filmed beautifully. I love the lighting, um, in particular when the kids are in the boat down the river. Children. Um, it looked like it was filmed on a set, but I just love hmm. like oh, Charles the, Charles Lawton. Yeah. 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 It's it, it was it was it was incredible. I liked it a lot, and I, like I said in the gentleman's guide ish, uh, episode today, damn Charles Lawton was born in eighteen ninety nine. Um, Jesus I, Christ! Yeah, I uh, I really like the way they used singing in the movie. Um, there's an incredible scene with the old lady sitting inside with a shotgun, and Robert Mitchum sitting on a stump outside, and they start singing the same song. Oh, it's it's a, it's a really good movie, and I I, I don't know why it took so long to see it. So. Mitchum is the she. He's the she. So. I wish uh, he's one of those guys you just like. Man, I wish I was fucking Robert Mitchum. <laughs> yeah, you know, an evil just bastard. that cool. Yeah. So that was <sighs> it for me, and I'm about to fucking wet my pants. So 
Oh my God. I swear to God, I'm going to have to get a fucking inflatable inner tube to sit on. I've been sitting in this chair so long. My ass feels like a, a fucking pancake. All right. Pan- so old pancake ass. Old pancake ass Zom and I are going to take a break and we're going to come back. Let's do, um, let's do the, the kidnap movie first since okay. I have nothing to say about that one. We'll be right back. <laughs> No one would have believed in the first years of the 21st century that Hammer films were being watched from an entertainment standpoint. No one could have dreamed that Amicus films were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility that this area of film still had anything to offer. And yet, across the gulf of space, minds immeasurably superior to our own regarded this podcast with envious eyes, and slowly and surely they drew their plans against it. The Hamicus Podcast. Hammer and Amicus, and every tenuous link in between. Hamicus.com and iTunes. Cheers. break with the little pumpkins there silver fuck is the name of that song <laughs> silver fuck silver fuck or uh, silver fuck silver fuck fuck <laughs> silver what were you making what were you thinking when you made this movie <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all right so kidnap from 1974 directed by one giovanni fago he must have been a big uh, icp fan from the past he made a machine. lot of good pop um, I don't know so anything good. else that, that guy's done, but uh, starring Henry Silva and some other people I don't recognize, a bunch of um, a bunch of Italian actors. So. Oh, you recognize some of them? I probably don't. You know, I mean, come yeah, on. well, on. yeah. You, oh no, you're not a moron. You're not a moron. I've I keep telling you that. I just I need some therapy, man, so we can make a good album. We'll, we'll do a silver and gold therapy ep- issue uh, episode issue. Jesus Christ! Really hurt my feelings, man. So, kidnapped from '74. This <sighs> crime drama follows Italian police commissioner Caprielli Henry Silva as he races to rescue the six-year-old daughter of an important businessman. Also hoping to save her is Frank Salvatore, the old-school mafia don accused of the crime. Caprielli leans on a low-level thug for information and is led to Salvatore, who considers children to be off-limits as targets and hopes to restore his reputation. So, um, this is our first Silva film on the uh, on Silva and Gold, and uh, 
wish it was something else. Uh, <laughs> ah, yeah, big baby. I um. <laughs> Full disclosure, I'm going to be leaning heavily on Dr. Zom this uh, review here because I didn't take shit for notes. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, take it away from here. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in the West with I Charles Bronson? Okay. You know, there was a guy that like was the head of the railroad that was like uh, uh, basically handicapped. Mm-hmm. And um, that was that one, wasn't it? And Henry Fonda went and he worked. Henry Fonda worked for him. Uh, wait. Yeah, the guy, yeah. The guy, at the, the guy at the railroad was just an old man. They like locked him in the. No, 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 no. The guy that like rode around in the real oh, expensive. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. The head of the railroad. He yeah. hired Henry Fonda worked for him. Right? Yeah. Gabriel Frazetti. That was that Don Francesco Salvatore. Oh. See, you know. You okay. know. Yeah. No people in this movie. Anyway, so, but it's the truth. That's my review. He was in, he was in a lot of shit. And, and you know what? If I would have, I, if I had my, the actual notes that I wrote down on a post-it that I left in my windbreaker, there were several other people that have been in like stuff that we know. And I was going to say, hey, uh, do something while I get up and go get this. But we'll just muddle along here. Oh, oh man, I feel just so gross right now. Rada um, Asimov was in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I can, I'm just going to go through IMDb. There's people. I'm telling you, there's people. All you right, mean, all right. I, I'm, I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Now, I'm totally thrown by this because I like this movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you don't just I, really says something. You hate everything that I like. I liked the idea of this movie. It was going in nice directions, but it ended up being ultimately boring for me. Sorry to spoil the bah. the ultimate review, but as Doctor Doom would say, bah. bah. Now everybody else, just hang with me. He's gonna go drink some more fucking coffee or something. I'll be back. Okay. Get to get Anyway, let's get into this motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're killing time. We're wasting time. <coughs> okay. You have Henry Silva, the patron saint of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, and thus a patron saint of the bastard stepchild of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Silva and Gold Podcast. And Silva is in his... Um, I guess it would be almost like his bat costume if he was Batman. Mm-hmm. He has his um, his uh, trench coat, which is cinched up, uh, and um, he's kind of grumpy because yes. one of the first things somebody says, uh, you know, "Hello, Inspector, having a uh, you know nice day," and he's like, "What the hell is so nice about it?" <laughs> but um, Silva is just, I, I am fascinated by him. Uh, his kind of, uh, I don't know if I would say it's like almost like a kabuki mask face and his thousand yard stare. <laughs> his face is, um, it's sort of strangely shaped. It's, it is sort of like a kabuki mask. Um, or maybe not a, I, I can't even think of what it is, but it looks like it's kind of like carved out of stone or granite because it doesn't move a lot. But then I'll tell you what, when he does, like when something happens and he actually smiles or laughs, it's almost amazing because he is so stone faced. And 
I know that they said that Marlon Brando, a lot of people would say Marlon Brando, you know, when he was uh, in his method acting, you know, he would be talking and you'd watch him on screen and he'd be like, you know, delivering a line and looking up at the ceiling or looking around the room, you know, something. And but what people didn't know was they're like, man, fucking Brando, look at look. He's just so different. He was reading his lines. They would have the lines like taped to the ceiling or taped to the wall. So when he was looking away and you thought, you know, he looks like he's pondering something. No, he wasn't method acting. He just didn't know his fucking lines. And sometimes <laughs> I wonder if Silva's thousand yard stare, because he just looks like like with those dead eyes, he just stares off in another direction while people are talking. And it's almost um, like he's like a corpse. Yeah. So, and, you know, which, you know, I don't know. There's a certain charisma to that, I guess. <laughs> um, he is a, you know, a, a detective inspector or whatever, and he has his little crony guy that um, is kind of his uh, Dr. Watson bumbling sidekick guy. Um, and basically this movie <laughs> – It's a, it's a, ba- it's very basic, and that's why I can see where you said, you know, it was, you thought it was kind of boring, and so, because it's very cookie, it's a very cookie cutter kidnap movie. Yeah, uh, and- it's by, it's by the numbers, you know, on how they do that. But the thing that I like that they throw in there, this fucking mustache is coming. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's tickling me. And, um, He's talking about my l- mustache. <laughs> Yes. The the dynamic that I like that they throw in there that to me is different because if you see the, like the movie Ransom with uh, the Jew hater Mel Gibson, the Catholic loving Jew hater Mel Gibson right. and Gary Sinise, it's it's you know you you have the 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 um, the criminal element that kidnaps the kids that that once you know they want a, a big score so they kidnap a rich man's child and so you get that dynamic with the kids and you get to see the kidnappers and their and their you know how they're interacting with each other and you know of course they're criminals so they're a little bit fucked up each one of them's fucked up in their own way and you have this poor innocent kid there and how they treat the kid but the dynamic that I like that they throw in there is the the sort of pseudo relationship between um, Lieutenant Capre- Caparelli, mm-hmm. uh, which is Silva, and Don Francesco uh, or Frank, who is the mafia guy, and um, um, there's been like a relationship between these two because basically Don Francesco Frank is. Um, is you know like the head mafia guy of this area and Silva has been kind of basically trying to put him away for years and he you know because he's so powerful and has connections and everything he can never get anything to stick but he's always up his ass and trying to trying to get him on something anything so then this comes down this whole kidnapping thing and of course Silva has to try to to um, solve this case, you know, get the girl back and capture the people and everything. But he's sort of almost uh, obsessed or whatever with getting Frank. So he uses the kidnapping thing as an excuse to, 
you know, it's almost like when with with in the modern day thing where they have the warrantless wiretapping or or whatever, and because of all the terrorism shit that's going on with Al Qaeda, okay, well we can use this to wiretap the mafia, or we can use all this stuff that we have now to you know illegal search and seizures. We can just go in and do this shit. So he's doing that. So he kind of has ulterior motives. But the weird thing is, is throughout their entire relationship where he's been trying to get this guy, whereas normally you would think, okay, since Frank has probably a lot of political connections, you know, from Sicily or whatever, and uh, uh, that he could probably have Silva, you know, back walking the beat in uniform if, you know, if he wanted to. But that's the weird thing is Silva... No matter what happens, even though the case might get thrown out of court or the case gets dismissed because Silva went uh, too far and didn't get a search warrant or something like that, Silva still continually – he gets moved to another area or something like that, but he moves up. And every time, he just moves up and moves up and moves up. So anyway, I like that. I liked um, um, that when they would show – uh, Frank and his whole mafia lifestyle, you know, all, he's, you know, very wealthy and he has this big fat driver who I know I've seen in other shit and I can't remember what it was. Um, who's kind of, uh, <laughs> says some funny stuff on a few occasions, you know, do you like women? And the, the driver's like, I like big women. Yeah. D- yes. Don Francesco. I like big women. The bigger, the better, you know, <laughs> like, oh, that's pretty funny, but he's a big guy too. So it would have been even better if he would have been like a little skinny guy. Um, Metal Mikey. Well, let's see. Uh, there was. Some, what's that? <laughs> I said Metal Mikey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> there was one part where at the beginning, and it's weird for me. I, I don't know why they do this. I, I I I think I know why they do it, but it just seems stupid to me. Like this movie is completely dubbed. Now, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think Silva's was because I don't think he speaks. He might speak Italian. I don't know, but I think he probably did all his lines in English. He was definitely speaking in English. I could, I mean, yeah. I, I, just reading lips, I could tell. Yeah, um, and but, I, but but well, but real quick on the other thing, I that that is what I liked about the movie. I liked the dynamic between Salvatore and uh, and Silva, whatever his name was. Uh-huh. Uh, the I just wish that was explored more. I like I, I liked the fact that both of them were doing the same thing for different reasons. Right. And I liked that they had a history. I wish they focused on their relationship more and their hunt more, as opposed to showing like scenes of the kidnapper sitting there and right the little girl. Well, you know, you have to show the kidnappers. Fuck, dude, what the hell? I know, anyway, but, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the another part that I liked was okay. Silva kind of gets Frank involved in this whole kidnapping thing, uh, 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 even though Frank's a criminal. It, it it shows like a different level of criminal behavior because it's almost like in uh, in the movie Dillinger with Warren Oates. Um, he meets up with uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, and you know he's Pretty Boy Floyd's going to join Dillinger's gang. And he says, you know, I thought you were up in Kansas. And he goes, yeah, you know, that's where my parents live and everything. And he said, then Bonnie and Clyde came through there and killed a bunch of people. And and uh, they're both like, yeah, you know, this they're just a bunch of mad dog killers, you know, and they're professionals. So they look down on these people. And that's the way Frank was. It's kind of like we're professionals. We we have more, you know, we're our organization, yeah, we're criminals, but we're – 
we do it. We're, we're doing things. We're like more of a, uh, uh, pr- we're professionals where it's, it's, you know, classy and stuff like that. And these people that would kidnap a little kid are just scum. Yeah. So that reminded me sort of almost like a, uh, the movie, um, M with, um, Peter Lorre yeah. where he's the child rapist. And then the underworld of Germany, um, you know, all the, 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 the criminals and shit get together to hunt him down even though they're criminals too, they they are like you know we're criminals, but we're not going to put up with this shit, and we're going to use our power to to get this guy. But um, there was one of the curliest um, perms on a hooker I have ever seen above <laughs> the waist. I was curious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was curious if you would like her or not. Um, she was kind of like a like a Cupid doll kind of look. Yeah, because uh, she had that that really you know super duper bushy or like not bushy but like it was tight it was a tight perm but it was really curly and she was goofy I liked her boots I I sort of I don't know if I have a foot fetish I don't think I do but I admire hot footwear and she had like these leather leather boots that were like platform shoes that came all the way up to her knees which were pretty cool and she also had a um a um like a burgundy. There was a lot of burgundy colored stuff in this. Um, she had a burgundy almost cross between red and purple fur coat. So I don't, I'm not sure what animal I live in West Virginia and I've, I haven't seen a lot of red or purple furred animals around here. So anyway, <laughs> but that was kind of neat. Um, let's see. But what I was going to say about the dubbing is, um, Everybody's dubbed in English in this, except at the beginning they showed the nanny walking the little girl to like school, or she's going to take oh, her. Yeah, school. yeah. And the nanny is German, so and they didn't dub her voice in English, so you don't <laughs> know what the fuck she's saying. But she's a German, so anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, see how all. Uh, <laughs> So when the kidnappers, it's like broad daylight. <laughs> in in Italy at, at one time, they had like a lot of, uh, well, they had some terrorism shit going on over there and everything. And it, but um, like in a lot of these Euro crime things, these guys just pull up um, and, and they have uh, sort of like ski masks on and these, you know, Italian made machine guns, you know, grab the kid and jump in a boat. There's lot, always lots of boat stuff. I, I don't know if it's because like Venice and, you know, and. The, there being a lot of uh, so traffic much, on the waterways, so much coastline. They, that boat was so maneuverable. You yeah. see, like when you see people like go re- in reverse in a boat, it's it's usually an undertaking. Like <laughs> it takes yeah. a little bit to give a boat. That guy just put it in reverse and then boom, right it's off. like my yeah. old Pinto, you know. Uh, well, my old Pinto didn't go very fast either, <laughs> reverse or forward. Um, <coughs> one of the um, so so this happens in broad daylight, and there's a few different witnesses that see, and and one of the people's uh, like ski mask thing gets pulled off. So there, you know, Silva's going around, and he's he's uh, interviewing the, the the people that could be witnesses, and and um, I guess the nanny, you know, of course she she speaks German, and and um, he says uh, to his little toady uh, sidekick guy, he says. She only speaks German, and the guy says, "Yeah, and stupid too." <laughs> let's see. Um, let's see. 
I end uh, when he was talking about how he tried to bring down Frank at one time before, and the case got thrown out. He said, "I ended up in in uh, in uh, Chazzo and made chief inspector and fucked." Okay, and um, <laughs> he said he would give both his balls. You know, they draw out that bo- uh, I'd give both my balls to bring down Frank or whatever. Um, uh, one guy that uh, it takes me back to we were talking about Once Upon a Time in the West um, with uh, Frank being in that um, uh, one uh, another connection with that is that we have a guy uh, who's one of the bad guys that kidnaps the kid that uh, I believe he had a little Zamfir pan flute in him nice. because he played the uh, harmonica quite a bit and he had he had one of these um also a like a burgundy um, turtleneck, and this turtleneck it wasn't one of those ones that's kind of tight around your neck. It was like this. It, it had like a big foreskin. Like if you had if you had an <laughs> uncircumcised cock, and <laughs> but it was like a big fat ring of flesh. I mean, this thing had a, had a uh, the the his uh, turtleneck sweater had like a, a very large bulky neck. Uh, <laughs> I'm very down with the fashion notes in this. So, <laughs> um, I like the guy that was, um, uh, he was the professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call that's what they called him. He was the criminal mastermind of the kidnapping. Yeah. And apparently, um, his role was he, sit there and look worried constantly. Yeah. But he was, he was creepy because, and they also came out, uh, and said that he had been, I guess, um, uh, arrested, I think, or deported, or something like that, for for uh, killing like a little kid at <laughs> one time. So when they started fi- figuring out who it was, um, that's how they roll in Italy. They're like, you yeah. kill a kid, just just leave, just move him, send him to Penn State. Anyway, but um, <laughs> she uses her tongue for everything but talking. I like that line. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Marta, who was also in, what'd you say she was in? Not once upon a, oh uh full of good the bad and the ugly yeah um she has a little bit of a morphine addiction um she smokes a lot of a weed but you know that that's when she when she's Jones and she you know she says that doesn't even touch it you know but the professor has all her works and everything so he only gives her what she needs the little kid was cute uh and at first uh, Marta who was the the I think an adult girl. dubbed that kid. That you think? Vo- I don't know that when they were when they were dragging her away, it did not sound like a little kid's voice yelling. Sound like Henry Silva going, <laughs> help "You're me. dragging me away, <laughs> yes, help me." He's talking help into a can me, or something like, "Help me!" Uh, oh, I wish I could see that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I did. I like the scene with uh, you know Frank and. Um, and Caprelli, when they meet in the cafe, and uh, Frank's eating his ice cream, and the waiter comes over, and um, you, you can tell it's it's a place that you know. Of course, Frank's rich because he's a mafioso and everything, and uh, has all this respect and everything. Because when the waiter comes over, he does he he won't even look at Silva. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> he's taking like all his orders from if if Silva says you know I'll have a cup of coffee, he doesn't even look at Silva. He looks at Frank, and Frank says, "Bring him a cup of coffee." And Silva's like, "Jesus." You know, what am I? Chopped liver here. Chopped liver here. He who is deaf, dumb, and blind lives to be 100 with a, with a peace of mind. So, um, you know, I like that kind of line that uh, that um, 
the uh, guy gave Silva. Er, another bright burgundy pair of pants on a bad guy. There was two young bad guys, the girl that was uh, a drug addict and the professor. And um, let's see. Oh, Marta, the, the bad chick. Um, I, I noticed uh, a this is a silver and gold favorite. She was wearing a choker at one point, yeah. which I liked. It's it uh, gives you the silent rage in the pants if it's a hot chick. Um, <laughs> Silva was interviewing or interrogating or interviewing a um, a guy that had owned a store that witnessed the um, the uh, kidnapping uh, supposedly. And um, he says, he says, tells Silva, he says, I just remembered something about the woman, uh, the woman kidnapper. And Silva goes, what? Her tits? <laughs> you know, that was just like, what? Okay. Let's <laughs> uh, uh, see. Of course, yeah, yeah. Do you like girls? Yeah, the bigger, the better. Um, Nino, I guess that was the uh, rotund. Uh, he kind of looked like... Uh, Hercule Poirot. He had like really greasy, slicked hair with a you know a, a part in his hair that you know looked like a razor blade could have made it, and a little mustache. But he was he was very rotund. Um, but he was kind of like Frank. I mean, you, you could tell you know Frank. You know Frank liked you know he wasn't like a, a he wasn't like a bad guy or whatever. He he smacked around a bitch one time though. Uh, it was a was that was that hooker the, the yeah. curly haired hooker yeah, yeah. he busted her in the mouth uh which you know she deserved because she was being she was just being a smart ass or you know just a, just being an, an asshole he was asking her questions and she was giving him giving him the high hat giving him the lip if you will he's got you gotta you gotta correct that sometimes yeah well he did man he corrected it too and she boy she straightened up too um <laughs> you gotta do that sometimes <laughs> 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 uh Silva at one time was uh they um they caught this guy he they decided okay well you know if we're going to sh- we're going to shake the tree a bit and see if see what falls loose so they just start cracking down on all the criminals and he comes across a a drug courier uh and he's trying he's he uses you know gets some information on him and this guy the one thing I the only reason I made a note about it is the guy had a black tooth you know, so that was kind of gross. Uh, just one tooth, <laughs> one tooth on the bottom is black, and it's like, brush them teeth, motherfucker. Um, I liked uh, the old man uh, when Frank went. They had like a meeting place, and he goes, to, and this guy must have been like an old time uh, enforcer or something for the mafia, but now he's like seventy, eighty years old. Yeah. So he had this little place, and they had the checkerboard um, tablecloth. And on the, they had like all the, the, the dried peppers and shit hanging and sausage and meat hanging from the rafters and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. And they were sitting around drinking wine. And the guy, um, at, at one point, um, when they're going to go do something, he tells Frank, he goes, I had this from the old days. And he gets this blanket out and he unwraps it like with like he's un, un, uh, uh, you know, uh, taking a blanket off a baby and it's this fucking Thompson machine gun like you'd see in the old gangster movies. And yeah. he's, I haven't used this in years. And Frank gets like a big raise. I, I, you know, I haven't had to do work like this in forever, you know. So that was pretty cool. Um, uh, 
Oh, I put, I wrote down Don Francesco doesn't take shit from whores. <laughs> he t- and he, after he busts her in the mouth, he tells her because he was being nice to her. And like I said, she was just sassy. She was used to giving like guys a lot of shit, you know, because she was a hoe. And he, after he busts her in the mouth and knocks her on her ass, he says, you know, I'll make you a bigger whore than you already are. <laughs> So that was pretty cool. I'm thinking about using that line one of these days. I should have used it this morning on somebody that I had an opportunity to talk to. Um, That'll win you a lot that. of friends. Yeah, she's no friend of mine. Let's just. <laughs> uh, it was a bad morning this morning, people, but I'm muddling through. I've yeah, whatever. Uh, let's see. <laughs> um, at first, when like the kid and stuff, man, they were playing some melodramatic music that I was like, "Oh my god, this music's bad." But then when the stuff, when the shit starts going down, they get really into the euro crime, dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 you know, euro crime music. Um, one thing I always like about these euro crime movies, and I ride motorcycles. I've told everybody on this show that you know I, I have two motorcycles. I ride all the time, but I, okay, I'm not comfortable. Even like my sister one time and my niece were like, take, a, take me for a ride because I, I, I've never ridden with somebody like on the back of the motorcycle yeah. and it changes. It's different because it's, yeah, the weight's different, the weight and everything. And, and I, I would just be – we had a girl that I worked with, really pretty young girl when I first started working uh, at this place. Um, and um, her and her husband went out and he bought a motorcycle and I think they had just got it. And they went for a ride, hit some gravel. She fell off and got killed. And I said, I would never, if I get killed, you know, hey, that's me. I don't have any wife, don't have any kids, whatever. But, you know, to have somebody else on there and have that, and he lived. So, you know, he's kind of has to live with that. And that's what I always said. But in Euro crime movies, um, they have a lot of mono a mono motorcycle riding. Where the guy, there's another guy sitting behind you with his arms wrapped around your waist. Hanging on tight. <laughs> uh, that just, I even just watching that, it just makes me cringe. I, like, I'm just thinking about some, you know, like one of my friends or something sitting behind me with his arms wrapped yeah, around I, my waist. When um, we went for my um, sister in law's <laughs> wedding in Key West, and um, it's very, we flew down so we didn't have transportation, but you can rent scooters there to ride all over the island. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so the morning of the wedding, um, I was running around helping set up and stuff with my father-in-law and we had a one scooter between us. Nice. <laughs> so I was the driver. So I had my father-in-law like, you know, holding on to my waist or it was really kind of weird. <laughs> so we have a wrench in his pocket. I hope so. um yeah so we went and had breakfast and everything we had to hop on the scooter again i was like this is kind of weird so i just i i I mean i rode around i rode around with my wife and it was one thing but and you know he's probably he's probably 100 pounds heavier than my wife so (laughs) and he's behind you so when you thought about you were probably like you know he could probably just like manhandle me right now. Well, it's the the weight in particular was the, was. What if he gave you just like a little extra squeeze? <laughs> hey, baby. If they were just sitting back there, and now I they have like some motorcycles. This one that I had before I got this new one, it had like almost like where the passenger seat is, like these two things that come off the either side that. It almost like handles yeah. that you could grab a hold of and like hold on to. It's the wrapping around and like the reverse bear hug. 
that it constitutes basically like you know they're they're either a a hug or uh dominant doggy <laughs> i don't like it but i'm moving on here okay. i'm I, I I don't know. I, I guess maybe I'm homophobic in that way. Eh, I don't, I don't I like don't. guys touching me at all. If it was one of my friends, it wouldn't have been as weird. <laughs> I would be I would have been more okay with it. But having being having being dad in law, that was a little weird. I'm like Buddy Ravel in Three O'clock High. I, you know, when somebody just come up and like put their hand on his shoulder, he's like, I don't. You know, he like fucking punch the shit out of him because he just hated to be touched and that's how i am i'm getting to be that way with like every human being on the planet too anyway that's a little bit more than people need to know um we had a reverse <laughs> motorcycle helmet headbutt a la bobo brazil uh which that was effective i yeah. mean i was like you know uh, i i had seen this before so i knew something was gonna you know that it was gonna happen and everything but when you think about it, it's like, man, that would be effective because uh, you're going along at a pretty good clip, and all of a sudden, you know, the the guy in front of you who has a helmet on smashes the helmet in your face. You fall off and hit your head on the ground anyway. So, anyway, that was good. I like that. Good move. Um, it was a like some kind of a Honda uh, inline four, uh, three hundred and fifty, six hundred and fifty, or seven hundred and fifty. I think it was a uh, whatever. Anyway. Uh, but I like I like seeing the old bikes like that too. If you like motorcycles, you can see some old bikes like that. Um, okay, yeah, the professor he was wanted in Germany for strangling a little boy, so they really made him fucking. He was creepy. He looked he looked like the kind of guy that would have like a trench coat and have the pant legs that are just pant legs from the ankle up to the knees with rubber bands around it, and be naked underneath because he looked kind of gross, like he'd hang out in a dirty. Um, um, like a dirty uh, movie theater, yeah, and, or jack off or something like that. Um, he was just gross. He looked kind of just um, the 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 scene, uh, and, and I forgot about this, so I didn't expect it. The um, the, the the kidnappers are hiding out on a on like an old barge mm -hmm. uh, on the water, and there's nobody around or anything. So they're they're in this like cargo hold or whatever. Not a cargo hold. They're in the the ship's quarters or whatever and they're all sitting around talking you know uh, about this and that what they're going to do what they're going to do with the kid blah 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 blah, and, and what the plans are going to be if they get the money and everything and all of a sudden the fucking door opens up and the kid walks out well the whole thing even when the kid was in there when they would go in to give her food or anything they'd put the ski mask on because you know as long as the kid doesn't see your face you're you're okay right and the kid walks out, and they're all fucking four of them are just sitting there, and they're like, "Jesus Christ!" You know, so that that really that scene was like, "Wow!" You know, you, you could just I uh, that I was like, "Okay, that sealed the kid's fate," which the kid's fate was probably already sealed, but the other, I think, um, of course, the professor, he, you know, had killed a little kid before, so in his mind, that might have been in his plans the whole time. Right. Right. Okay, and then there was one. There was two guys and a girl. Well, the one guy he was pretty sleazy and pretty much an asshole. So maybe he probably would have either went along with it and not thought anything of it. But then the other two, I think they were kind of especially at first. Marta, uh, they talked about when they first kidnapped the kid that she would go in there and like you know here's your food. Yeah, and then they were like yeah, boy, she's you know bitching at that kid or whatever. But then she, the kid, kind of. I think kind of won her over a little bit. Yeah. It was almost like um, in the movie Ransom with uh, Lily, was it Lily Taylor? 
you know, she kind of got to where she liked the kid and then, you know, and, and doing, even with them, kidnapping a kid for money and it's like, okay, we'll get the money, just leave the kid here and then we'll send them a note and they can come get the kid or whatever. Okay. That's one thing, but actually going to that next level and killing the kid, even for the ones that were kidnapping for some of them, they were like, uh, you know, this is bullshit. Um, let's see. Uh, what, what, uh, oh, <laughs> the uh, the one bad guy. He's he's just riding down the road, and this is kind of just a coincidence thing. But um, the curly headed hooker, um, she had just either screwed or blown some guy, and he dropped her off just along the road. And uh, so she's sitting on the guardrail. And I thought it was funny when the truck driver pulled up, and he's like, "Hey, you want a lift?" And <laughs> she she uh, she was out of his price range. Um, but the the uh, one bad guy, he's coming by on a motorcycle, and I thought that he knew who she was, and that she he knew that she was a witness, and that he was going to kill her, right? Because it was just kind of a coincidence. Here she is, just sitting, and he comes by on his motorcycle, and basically picks her up and is going to go screw her. But he didn't know who she was. Right, right. He just wanted to get a piece of ass, but she knew who he was because she saw Zamfir Pan flute, and uh, so she was like, "Wait a minute, this is." That guy. <laughs> So you get to see her titties, and uh, she she has her boots on and like her pantyhose, but just naked from the from the waist up. And uh, it was funny because um, um, the she calls you know after Frank punched her in the face and shit and told her he would make her a bigger whore than what she already was. He told her he said if you find out anything, you contact me. You know, but he wasn't mean after even after he punched her, he was nice. He was like you know come on you know you. You you shouldn't have made me do that, but anyway, so she she makes an excuse and goes out and um, and calls. I thought she was calling the cops, They're calling Silva because he had talked to her too. But she calls, I guess, one of Frank's dudes. Well, but what's funny is uh, he's. I guess they already they screwed. I think. But he says, "God damn it! Can't even get a piece of ass." You know, he's trying. He's trying to get some sex, and, and uh, you know, can't even work that out. Now, moving right along. Um, you know, you have the, of course, inevitable conclusion or whatever. But um, uh, back to the fashion statement, uh, when the old man gives Frank the um, the Thompson machine gun, you know, um, it almost kind of reminded me of uh, Leo from uh, Miller's Crossing, where, you know, they were like, the old man's, a, a, you know, an artist with the Thompson, you know. Right. Uh, but Frank shows up to go on this adventure because, you know, he's he's the... Like CEO, he's the the Don, so he's not going out and killing people. He probably did in the past when he right, moved right. up. He's older now, and so he shows up for his adventure to go out and uh, take his this uh, gun and go do his business uh, in this fucking coat. And at first, I put down it was a beaver slash muskrat coat, <laughs> but it looked almost like a, like like somebody had killed a bear and made a fur coat out of a bear. <laughs> and it looked like wet bear fur. Or wet something. bear. I have a wet bear fur skin coat. <laughs> it just looked weird. And he had one of those little furry like uh, fezzes on or something. But um, you had, uh, like I said, with a lot of the Euro crime films, you, instead of having car, ch- they have car chases too. But they often have boat chases. So you have some boat chase things going on there. Um, Silva. Uh, but what's funny is, you know, Silva. Uh, while all the shit's going on, you know, he's the cop. He's the one trying to find out all this shit and trying to, to, uh, to 
not only catch the kidnappers, but catch Frank and everything. And he's just sitting around his office waiting for something to, something to happen. And his little buddy's uh, sidekick sitting there reading like a pulp novel, like a detective novel. And he, Silva just looks at him and, and he says something about, uh, you know, we should have been nymphomaniac cops. <laughs> like they should have just went after nymphomaniacs because the guy was saying, he was reading the, the book and saying that, um, like if say if it was Mike Hammer, you know he's laying in bed with these with these two women, and so or he's he's boy these these we should have been detectives, boss. And he goes, how many how many girls does he have? He goes, he got two in the bed right now. And he goes, you know we should have been nymphomaniac cops. Nymphomaniac. Uh, so Silva, you know he's he's he likes his job, but you know uh, they said at one point that um, uh, I think it was when they caught the drug dealer and they were talking about how much drugs the guy had how much it would be you know in the street value or whatever and i don't know how much lira is or whatever but say he said you know this is um you know worth two million dollars and and he says you know that's uh that's like your how much you would make in uh a thousand years doing this job so even though they were cops you know and they liked their job and they really they realized they had to do it somebody had to do it or whatever they they weren't you know, it was hard for them to sit there and look at, you know, the mafioso or the kidnappers getting all this big money and they're making shit, but they're doing, you know, but, um, so while Silva's sitting, waiting for something to, to shake loose, you know, all the shit's going down. And at the one point it's like, okay, the old man gave Frank that machine gun and the professor is just cutting loose. And it's like, dude, are you ever going to fucking shoot back? But the one thing about Frank is when he finally, I mean, they, they're chasing, chasing, shooting, shooting, chasing, chasing, shooting, shooting. And, but the only person that seemed like he was shooting was the professor. Right. As, and he's, they're chasing him. Um, but when Frank finally cuts loose, I mean, he just rips the, I mean, I guess because he knew what he was doing yeah. and he was a master at it. It's like every fucking bullet he fucking shot out of that machine gun <laughs> hit right on target. And that guy was fucking toast. Um, Wet so that toast. was, <coughs> and um, the one scene that I liked, um, it was just kind of a touching scene because I'm a big pussy like Dave Mustaine um, was, uh, uh the little girl sitting in the um in the um empty i guess it was like a like a i don't know like a it was a factory but i think it was like a lot of sewing machines or something like maybe where they make garments a garment factory empty garment factory and the little girl's just sitting there by herself and then you know they come in they're yelling for the dad and everything so that was kind of touching of course silva goes up to her first and then the dad you know wraps his arm and silva's like well, wait a minute i should be the one you know you're just her dad i'm the cop so and then of course you have like a scene with um frank and um and Silva uh, sort of at the end. And, and I, I guess they were from the same hometown. I don't, I guess it's Sicily or wherever the hell they were from, yeah. but that, that they, 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 they talk about it at the beginning. Yeah. Like they, the, they, they had a conversation they were saying, cause he was saying, yeah, I'm from something, something. So they were, from, yeah. yeah. But so, you know, it's kind of like, it was weird. It was like a weird relationship because I guess because maybe because they were, he respected him and he, because he knew Silva wasn't like corrupt or anything, and he was just doing his job, and he was a professional, and and Frank was a professional, but you know, in the end, even though 
it worked out fine. Um, Silva, as the cop, was like two steps behind. But it, you know, he he did kind of make it happen because he kind of got Frank involved and said, you know, we can get some help from these guys maybe. And he said, you know, why don't you see what you can find out? But, but, um, and I think it was almost like, like I said, I think Frank, I don't know if he actually, they never said, because like I said before, when, when, uh, the part about, um, how even though he would go after Frank and the case would get thrown out or Frank would be found not guilty or whatever, Silva would get moved somewhere else, but move up, right. uh, up the ladder at, at his, at his job. Even in the end, he, he, he ended up moving up again, but it was never said if Frank had something to do with that because they didn't really, I, they, it wasn't like Silva was the one that solved the kidnapping thing or made it happen or got the little right. girl. Yeah. But and it's like they he got a fucking promotion. It's just like he just kept falling into like moving up, you know. So anyway, but that, that I like I said, I saw it. I remember talking to Will, and Will is a giant Eurocrime fan, and um, I it was on uh, the the this you know channel. Um, and this was uh, I don't know if it was last year or maybe two years ago. My God, it seems like we've been doing this shit forever. Um, especially today. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, Hey Will, you know, I, I just saw this Henry Silva movie. So I figured he'd be like, Oh fuck. You know, I've seen that too. And I told him what it was. And he goes, I've been looking for that. You know, my, you can't find it. You can't find it on any of even the, the other means websites, you know, right. I can't find it anywhere. And, uh, man, I liked it then I set up and watched it. And I was like, man, this was fucking good. And that's why when you said you didn't like it, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, this one for me is an exercise in what could have been, and I think you covered. I think everything you said, like whenever you had issue with something, that you, you know, my issue with those things that you have issue with was just felt amplified for whatever reason. Um, like the fact that Silva didn't solve the case or whatever, but got the promotion. It's like go into why he gets a promotion or or a touch on it. It could be done in ten seconds. You know, like have the, like have like you know, Salvatore talking to some dude and, you know, slipping him an envelope or something, you know, or they, they were the, the relationship between the two of them could have been expounded upon just exponentially, which it, it needed to be a lot more. And I didn't care if they got the little girl back or not. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I wanted to see, you know, an interesting path to get there. Um, and it wasn't. I, I I couldn't get into it at all. Like I was saying this morning, I played FIFA on my phone halfway through the movie. I was like, ugh. I picked See? up my phone, and started flipping around. I started playing. You FIFA just have a bad attention span. It was, and maybe I need to. What's maybe wrong I, with you? I probably just didn't give this a fair shake. You didn't give but, it a fair shake. Um, See, it's you young you young kids these days. You want everything handed to you on a silver platter. I'm a silver platter. I'm looking at that Kath, at that uh, Catherine Bell photo you posted on Facebook this morning, and it's really distracting. Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, well, we'll get into her <laughs> when we talk about that. <laughs> but um, um, I liked that it wasn't just, you know, that I liked that Silva wasn't the one that got the guy. Or well, that, that got the, yeah, the I mean that's fine and, too. But and uh, I, I liked the kind of this that it was a little bit kind of slow paced, and it wasn't just all action, 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 and you know. 
See, may, maybe for me, maybe what I was wanting is a Euro crime with some car chases and some, you know, eh. gunfights and stuff. I don't know. I don't know what I was wanting, but it didn't provide it um, mm-hmm. I, really hardly at all. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll revisit it. I probably should, but I really don't have any interest because there's a lot of other Henry Silva movies that I would yeah. much rather see. Well, you know, hey, that's the way it goes sometimes, Daddy-O. <laughs> Well, we'll go ahead and get in the scores. I won't keep just harping on it. So, I give it a two. <laughs> no, I liked it. I, I, um, I'd give it like I think I. I mean, probably like a six, a six point five. But it's uh, for me, it's a strong six point five. Okay. It's you know, uh, uh, when I'm saying six point five. I've seen other Euro crime movies that, that uh, you know, live like a cop, die like a man or whatever that I thought was just fucking, but it was just, uh, I, I've seen a, Euro, other Euro crime movies that I liked way better. I just, I thought this was more, um, like I said, it wasn't just like a, a ton of action and stuff like that, even though it did have action and everything. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the worst because I've seen some really shitty ones. Yeah. But, um but I still I liked it. I I would watch it for me. I'd watch it again. I'd buy it if it was out there to buy. Yeah. Um. For me, there wasn't enough Silva being Silva. I liked his like gruff attitude at the beginning, but it just stayed pretty even keel through the whole thing. There wasn't enough relationship between Salvatore and Silva's character. Um. They really should have amplified that more than they. What well, was it, to me that was almost like uh, De Niro and. Um, Pacino in Heat. Yeah. They had like that one scene where it, yeah, I would have liked to have seen them have more interaction. Yeah. Too, just because I I, I thought they were, uh, that dynamic between the two was good. Yeah. But you know you can't always get what you want. But if it's you try true. sometime, <laughs> you get what you need. So uh, I for me this was a below average movie. I'd give it a four out of ten. Um, I don't plan Fuck on revisiting you. it. But um, yeah, just I was kidding. pretty I was pretty bored. So. Oh. Pretty bored. Um, so yeah, that's our review of Kidnap. Guess what? Go ahead. I just got an email from the director of our next movie, Men of War. What? Yes. We'll, we'll touch on that in a second. We're going to come back right. and we're going to review Men of War from 1994. We'll be right Very back. Very good. Hi, this is famous Hollywood producer, Robert Evans. You know, I've made a lot of powerful enemies during my time in Hollywood. Like the time I pushed Steve McQueen in front of a moving car on the set of The Getaway because he was macking on my lady, Allie McGraw. But I've made one great friend, a boppo friend, if you will, since I retired. It's called Show Show, and it's the best fucking movie podcast ever. It's even better than cocaine, which I would know a lot about. Visit Show Show at showshow.podomatic.com or search Show Show, all one word, in the iTunes store.
We are back from break. I hate the mix of that song. Like, I like that song a lot, but it's way too fucking split between the left and right there. <laughs> I don't know if Man. you can hear that through Skype, but... Uh-uh. Yeah, it's... All the drums are in my right ear. It's pretty annoying. All right. So, now we're going to review Men of War. One of my uh, all-time favorites, Mr. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph. He will break you. He must break us. He must. Oh, yeah. You must break me, <laughs> motherfucker. Anyway, um, Men of War, 1994. I'm going to give a little synopsis, if you will, baby, because we haven't broke out Dusty in a while. But I'm not even going to do Dusty. I just broke out Dusty to say I was going to break out Dusty in the synopsis. <laughs> A former special ops soldier leads a group of mercenaries to an island in the South China Sea. Their mission is to obtain the rights to an unusual treasure that the island holds. Thank you for editing that. <laughs> Behold, what is that? Yeah, mean? I know. I'm glad you saw that because <laughs> I, it, it almost threw me for a second. Um, whoever typed up the synopsis for uh, IMDb, um, I think they don't know what that word means. <laughs> ja. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> Stupid fucking people. So, anyway, so yeah, Men of uh, War. Directed by Perry Lang. This is um, Perry Lang. Uh, that You said you just got an email from him. Um, yes. So maybe he will email you back We uh, f- before the, the show's over. But um, the uh, Perry Lang was uh, played a very minor role in Big Wednesday, so but tying it back to our show. But he... Um, the guy's been around the block a little, uh, written, a, written a lot of shit, directed a lot of shit. Well, did he write a lot of shit? He's directed a lot, a, a lot of TV. No, he did not write a lot. Um, a lot of TV work, but... Um, He's one of those faces that uh, if, uh, you know, especially like in the 80s, um, you know, like late 70s, 80s, uh, if you watched a lot of if you watched a lot of TV, a lot of movies, or whatever like that, you you you'll know his face when you see him. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was the guy, as I said in the uh, Big Wednesday um, uh, episode that we did right at the beginning. I talked about Gary Busey grabbing uh, this guy, <laughs> trying to get his surfboard so that his good friend Matt Johnson, Jan Michael Vincent, who was really shit faced drunk. Would have a surfboard to ride, and he he grabbed uh, Perry Lang and just who had a uh, trench coat on, uh, and just shook him violently and called him the Squid Lips, you know. So uh, I ask uh, I ask him uh, one of our one of our friends on Facebook uh, had told me last night said you know hey Perry Lang's on Facebook he said I have him as a friend he said send him an email you know and he he'll probably email you back. And uh, we just got the email, but I asked him if that uh, if the uh, line when Gary Busey called him Squid Lips was, uh, <laughs> you know, improvised. And he basically said that, um, you know, all those lines were, you know, improvised and, you know, with Busey and uh, uh, some like uh, w- even when we did the show, I I said just knowing and, and seeing interviews with Busey and seeing him on Jay Leno or shows like that that he can come up with a lot of shit, uh, some sayings that are pretty damn funny with his uh, podunk uh, butthorn. 
butthorn. Yeah, with his podunk butthorn. And you know butthorn. No, nobody wrote that. That's Busey. So anyway, but um, we're I I sent him a you know just a couple of you know general questions because we're right in the middle of doing the show. But uh, hopefully, maybe uh, later on we can put together some other stuff and send it to him. And he seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah, yeah and uh, he made a, a very a, a pretty damn entertaining movie. With uh, Men of War. Men of War. So, and it was written by uh, John Sales, who a lot of people that would listen to this show probably he, he he writes a lot. He's written a lot of pretty famous, maybe not a lot, but he's written some pretty famous genre films, you know, Alligator and um, The Howling. Lone Star. And, yeah, Lone Star. Well, he directed Pir- those. Piranha. So. Yeah. So yeah. It's got some pedigree and it's got the fucking Dolph. And I, I, every time I watch him now, you you've reminded me of that he's slow. The, I kind of like that though because well, but the thing is, in this one, he's young yeah. and he's he's faster than he is now. If you think he's moves slow when he's fighting in this, he <laughs> looks like Jet Li in this compared to how slow he is now. But I, like I, I've said many times before, like you just said, I, that's what I like about him. It's, he's not, uh, I mean, he's, he's Dolph, man, that fucker. He is, he is the Charles Bronson of our time. I love, he makes I love all these movies. Uh, now he even directs and he makes these action movies. Um, and they're, uh, they have to be making money because he makes a shitload of them, and for the most part, he makes especially the ones he directs. And we've said this before on this show; they're pretty damn good. Yeah. He knows how to do to to do action. He's a smart and, smart fellow. Yeah, and he doesn't play himself up as um, most of the ones that I see him in. He he. <sighs> Isn't the unstoppable killing machine guy? Even in this one, uh, of course, you had like t- Tiny Lister right there beside him, <laughs> who was a giant Hulk of a guy. But I mean, he even made made uh, Dolph look look smaller, and Dolph's a big guy. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he has no problem. Like like we've said before, Seagal never is bested. In any way, it's never even close. But with Dolph, you know, he knows that to fight from down under, like to get his ass kicked and get knocked down and have to get back up is what is the cool thing and the heroic thing, almost like a Rocky thing. But whereas Seagal is just like, you know, no one can touch me. Everybody I fight, they can't even put their hands on me. I just beat the fuck out of everybody with no problem. So, so if you, if you're watching a Dolph movie and at some point he doesn't go in anguish, you're it's yeah. pro- there's probably something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be some kind of Dolph pain in it. And he sounds like a, like a, a giant when he, uh, like a very giant man when, when he's in pain. So he, he has a certain Frankensteinish yes. style. He's a handsome Frankenstein kind of a guy, <laughs> you know, because there's times where you look at him, you're like, Hey, he's, you know, pretty pretty good looking guy but then there's times where you look at him and he's got that jar and he talks like this you know because he's he's dull and he's from sweden <laughs> and you know but uh, they i i the one thing i like about this movie is is they go out of their way to establish right off the bat that he's from sweden yeah. He even says like several times that people they call him the Swede. He says, you know, that somebody like uh, Perry Lang actually plays a part in this. 
and a, a yuppie, you know, kind of a guy. And uh, Dolph's drinking. He's drunk and he's drinking out of a little flask. And he isn't that they, great? He, he carries a and so, so so Dolph is a special ops guy, and but he obviously is not really into it anymore. He just kind of hangs out on the streets in Chicago, and he he carries a, a shoulder holster, but he carries his flask instead <laughs> of a pistol. <laughs> now that that's that's a that is a nice touch. That was really cool. <laughs> But um, uh, you know they take he gives each one of the yuppie guys you know a drink out of his flask and they're like, <coughs> holy shit, what was that? And he's like, where'd you get that? And he's like, from Sweden, you know. So <laughs> it, I'm from Sweden. This rocket launcher from Sweden. And they're like, uh, oh, it's uh, Nick the Swede, you know. So I think what it is is just like they they're they're letting you know, okay. Why everybody in this movie talks a certain way, but then this guy talks—he's this uh, giant blonde Sasquatch with a broken jaw. Uh, and let me tell you, if if you like rocket launchers, this is your fucking movie. Oh there fuck is, yeah! There is a most people in action movies have an endless supply of bullets. This—they have an endless supply of, fu- of fucking rockets in this movie. <laughs> and the rockets like, are big; they're like a big bean can. <laughs> it's really funny because they—that could just be somebody's normal weapon, just carrying a rocket launcher around. And um, and it's not just a rocket launcher; it's a, a Swedish rocket an launcher, an old piece of shit Swedish rocket launcher. And what was the range of it? It was like four hundred ninety-five meters or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Something they made a specific. point of that, which was kind of funny. So yeah, we got um, we got uh, a guy named B. D. Wong who, for some reason, was he's not on, all that familiar in the movie. But goddamn, does he look familiar? And I know he's I've on seen Law him. and Order uh, Special Victims Unit. He was the psychiatrist on that all the time. Uh, I never watched that. I don't know where I know this guy from, but I know him you well. Not a fucker. Yeah, sorry, Oz. I bet I remember him from Oz. Yes, he was on Oz too. Yeah, I think yeah. he was. I think he he played almost like the exact same character he plays on Special Victims Unit, which was the psychiatrist. Okay. He was like the prison psychiatrist, wasn't he? On Oz. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's exactly where I remember. I watched him from. that show. Um, so and the and I was very excited to see that Catherine Bell was in this movie, but but one problem. Well, two problems. Well, okay. I honestly, I did not even recognize her at first. Uh-huh. She was a little mannish. Yeah, they butched her up. They definitely butched her up, and um, she wasn't naked. Well, <laughs> and let me tell you something. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's before we started the podcast. You know, because I've always been a fan of her figure. She's a damn fine-looking woman. Yes, she is. But uh, if you look up her pictures, this movie, I, I'm i not saying I don't know 100%, but I don't know if she's had a boob job. But in all the pictures of her in bikinis, she has these massive boobs. And in this movie, she hardly has any boobs. So maybe she just grew some. Maybe they just mushed them down. They might have mushed them down. Yeah. It might have been like a sports bra. But, man, she's got big... It, look at some of the pictures of her in a bikini, like that one I posted. I mean, this she is... has very huge boobs, and you couldn't see any boobs. Now, wh- how were the boobs in uh, Jag? Because Jag was big right after this. Big boobs in Jag. Hmm. Yeah, she had very big boobs in Jag. And um, Keener, uh, Trevor uh, Goddard, who will definitely go into a lot more in this <laughs> uh, in this review, he was in Jag too. Oh. 
I think he was kind of her love interest. He was like a a, a guy on Jag. The so they, I don't know if they met on this or you know, and I don't know, but. So um, yeah, I mean Tom Wright, I recognize. Uh, he plays. Kind of, I guess he's supposed to be Muslim. Um, and then there's a. Then, then we already mentioned uh, Zeus in the movie, who is playing pretty much the only character he's ever played outside of the. I think he, didn't he play the president in? in yeah, Fifth Element. Uh, <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, but. one thing that I think is funny is that is his name just gets longer because it's <laughs> yeah. it, it's it was uh, uh, um, Tiny Lister, then Tom Tiny Lister, Tommy Tiny Lister. Tommy Tiny Zeus Lister, Tommy Tiny Zeus Lister Jr. So obviously, there's his dad is Tommy Tiny Zeus Lister, the first. And um, yeah, I mean he's very entertaining in the movie. So um. oh my god, oh he's he's so I mean he's just if if oh, God I would have shot him really quick, even yeah. if he was on my team. He's not he's not as much Zeus as he is Debo in this movie, although he doesn't speak in the third person, but um, <laughs> knock the fuck out. <laughs> you got knocked the fuck out. Saw the other night, by the way. I love that movie. Um so yeah, uh so we got we got Dolph, uh he's not really wanting to do his thing anymore, and these guys are ca- trying to convince him that, hey, you need to go and kind of clean up this island because there's these dudes living on it and we need them off because we need some shit on there. He's um, burned out. Literally, what? He's burnt out. He is. He's totally. He's burnt out. He has a newsy hat. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> he does. <laughs> that has snow on the top of it, like from yeah. Sweden. It's snow from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets this. Uh, he gets his stuff, and I, I really like in movies when they um, assemble teams. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of cool. Sevenish. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool seeing um, them go. He's he's. I don't know where he gets the money. I guess they just say, you know, money's no object. You're going to do this, and we'll just pay for you to fly around and collect this team. You don't have to call them. You have to go visit them. <laughs> um, so he's going all over the world getting these guys that he used to be special ops with. And um, it was funny when he goes to visit uh, Zeus, uh, who's called Blades in the movie. He visits him in prison, and Zeus asks him, he's like, what color are the motherfuckers I'm going to be shooting at? <laughs> Dolph says, lighter than you, darker than me. <laughs> so we made sure to get in the racist comments. For oh, yeah, well, story. yeah, yeah. It's silver and gold. Um, so, uh, and there's another, when you, <laughs> you mentioned some uh, a funny prostitute moment in the previous movie. The um, In this one, um, when Dolph's, when they finally get to where they're going and Dolph's hanging out with his prostitute and uh, he's just like talking about the past or something, and the prostitute just flat out tells him, he's like, you want to fuck? $20. You want to make friend? Cost more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought was funny. You know, she, she'd rather just fuck and get it, get it over with and get, him, get it out of the way so she can move on. And he's sitting there like, that's what I thought. Okay, you're going to this goddamn, it's like Thailand or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, there's they're in this uh, typical uh, stereotypical uh, strip joint that probably has like 15 14 year old girls up there dancing and all the girls have the same move they just hang oh, on to the pole just kind of do awful this awful cut underwear wave <laughs> oh god and they do they just, they just wave their hips around with their arms over their head that's that's the, that's the stripper no move enthusiasm whatsoever which i wouldn't have enthusiasm either if, <laughs> if i was like yeah. 13 years old and and in a 120 Dolph- degree grass hut and <laughs> here comes tiny lister and fucking Dolph oh, wanted so yeah 
me anally. So it was pretty cool seeing uh, back, you know, rewinding a little bit. Kind of cool seeing him collect the team. And the dude, um, Don Harvey plays him. It's, his, it's one of the guys on the team, Nolan. And I like the scene when they're picking him up because he's doing like basically like bare knuckle fighting and betting on himself. Uh, so he like basically just gets his ass kicked and then bets money on himself when after the odds go up. The but, best um, part about that is, um, have you ever seen the movie Diamond Dogs with Dolph? Yes. Okay. He must have stole this scene because <laughs> Diamond Dogs was made way after this. Yeah, yeah. And but Dolph does the exact same thing, except he's the guy fighting and he's getting his ass kicked and he as he gets punched, he rolls over to the guy that's taking the bets and says, What's the what's the odds? <laughs> and the guy's like, Oh, you know, you're this or whatever. And he just keeps getting his ass he keeps coming over and the guy keeps telling him the odds are going up and then finally when it gets to he he bets his money on himself and then gets up and just beats the guy's ass. And I was like, he fucking this is the exact same scene. Yep. He uh <laughs> He uh, and it's funny when um, when he first came on, I didn't know you know I didn't recognize him. But the the scene is is very it's it's very it's very all it's all over the place. They don't really show his face too steadily. And I was like, was that fucking is that Stephen Baldwin? <laughs> 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 uh, so well, Don Harvey. I'm telling you what, that guy. Um, there's certain guys that just have a certain look. I I can never see him playing anything but an asshole. Yeah. Because he just has he might be the nicest guy in the world and if he is, you know, nothing that this is just but I mean he just has that face that man he can play just a, a jerk. Yep. An asshole or a jerk. I need to see he was in um the movie about the Black Sox, right? Yeah, and so was um um Perry Lang, the director. The eight men out. Eight men out. I need to see that. I've never seen that one. Like oh, it's movies. oh, it's excellent, excellent yeah. movie. Great cast too. So, um, oh yeah, Cusack's in it. Uh, anyway, I'm getting getting sidetracked here. So, um, yeah. So yeah, the the collecting of the team and they they get to where they need to go and it's still like they get on this island and it's not really giving anything away that when they get there they realize that the people they're there to expel are just kind of like kind of like pacifist like farmer types. Mm-hmm. Um. They're just out to like they you know they fuck around with the guys they like you know they have this ceremony and they give them these eggs <laughs> telling them like you got to chew part of it and all this stuff and then yeah because like, it's like a, the the egg actually <laughs> it doesn't have like a yolk in it it's it's matured far enough along yeah. that there's like a little baby chicken in there and they're, so they're, in they're the they give them these giant fucking eggs and tell them it's part of the ritual and everything and they all eat them and then they, everybody just laughs at them like oh we don't eat that shit so that must uh, have been a pterodactyl egg. <laughs> Is that's like a, a big ass egg. Remember an ostrich? ostrich egg, yeah. Now, how many ostriches are? How the hell does an ostrich get all? <laughs> ostriches can't fly. So how the fuck did the ostrich get out there in the middle of nowhere on an island that's surrounded like 500 miles on every side maybe by it's ocean? Like, uh, maybe it's like um, uh, the Galapagos that had their own their, their own species there that laid giant <laughs> eggs and shit like crazy. Like, oh God, the shit. Go, oh, go. Let's continue. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a there's a guy that comes on the scene. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I I didn't know what to expect. I've never seen it. But they're at the when they're at the bar, this very sweaty like Hispanic dude comes up, and he's fucking got gold teeth, uh. um, a leather like hat and jacket or or vest, 
and a pirate shirt. I'm like, yeah, what? What is going on <laughs> with this? And then I realize he's part of a gang who are pretty much, unless you're just like a no-name like red shirt type, type henchman, you're going to have a fabulous little outfit because he is one of the more, I guess, vocal henchmen of who we mentioned already, uh, Trevor Gar- Goddard, or he was Kiefer in the movie. Kifa so shows up and tries to put Mr. Uh, Mr. Pirate shirt to shame with his very fabulous uh, soldier outfit with his long tassels and everything. And Kifa, <laughs> let me tell you something about Kifa. If you, just to give the people an idea of, of what Kifa is like, if you took Colin Farrell and he smoked crack until he was just wild-eyed, <laughs> and, and threw in an enough and like injected him with like uh uh 500 cc's of homoerotic manness <laughs> i mean this guy just is sweating the cologne mandom yes and he <laughs> and he has his chest hair shaven into a crucifix well he's he's a christian <laughs> <laughs> obviously obviously isn't, he that, fights. isn't that what all christians do come on over nick the swede you come <laughs> over here and lick my balls. I mean, he, everything, it, it, he is, if most of the people that listen to our podcast are genre movie fans, except, well, the one, the 40 in China, I'm not sure yet because we haven't had any <laughs> contact with him yet. But um, if you've seen um, the movie Commando and the guy that played Wes mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. Road Warrior is the bad guy in that. And Sammy always makes fun of him with, you know, John, wait, come over here, John. Well, this guy, <laughs> Kiefer, makes that guy look like, I mean, like he is Mother Teresa. <laughs> Kiefer is so fucking over the top. He is so, I mean, it's like they must have just told this guy, Go and and do as much meth as you possibly can, <laughs> and and when when they told him to 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 do method acting, he thought he just heard meth because <laughs> meth he acting, is yes, dude. He it's like he's just insane. It's 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 <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, so he's got these douchey like uh, lightning bolts on the sides of his fucking shaved flat top head. He's so gross. Oh, he's yeah. just he needed an he needed awful he needed person. a few earrings. That, I, I don't know. I can't remember if he had them or not, but he definitely needed the earrings. Well, and, and uh, I got to tell you, uh, okay, now him, uh, Nick, the, Nick the Swede, Nick the Swede, and and uh, Kiefer had had a past. They had been on the same team or whatever. But it was almost like uh, from one of my favorite movies, Wolverine X Men Origins. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a Wolverine saber tooth kind of a thing where they were on the same team, but I think uh, Kiefer just was so out of control and out of hand because even at the very beginning, uh, Dolph tells Kevin, is it, is it pronounced T or, or Ty? The, the guy that was the, the Colonel that recruited Dolph. Uh, and he's been in a million movies. He was on emergency, the TV show emergency. Well, he's the older guy and he's his, he's there. All of the guys that get recruited, he's their old Colonel. Um, and the old special forces thing. But um, Dolph even says, he goes, why don't you get Kiefer? You know? And, <laughs> and he's like, well, we need something more subtle because he knows Kiefer is just the kind of guy that would just go in and murder everybody. But I'm telling you, I got a feeling cause they had a little mono. They had, they had a couple of fights in this movie 
in the first fight, um, they Kiefer basically has all his guys with their guns, and Dolph, all of Dolph's guys don't have their guns, and so Kiefer, Dolph says, "Okay, let's you and me, you know, because he was going to throw them all in jail for murder or something." Mm-hmm. And he says, and then he murders one of. He, Dolph says, "You know, well, nobody's been murdered. It's just a, a bar fight." And he says, <laughs> "Nobody's been murdered." Wait a minute. What do you mean? No, somebody's been murdered. I'll tell you who's been murdered. Somebody's been murdered. And he pulls his gun out and he shoots like his second in command in the head. And he goes, you see that? You see that? Nick? Nick is late? That's, that was my, one of my, my best men. And it's like, <laughs> fuck, dude. Okay, first of all, take a goddamn chill pill. <laughs> but he tells Dolph, he, Dolph says, okay, you know, instead of putting us all in jail, let's Let's have you. This is between you and me. Let's have a fight. And and he says, um, he says, okay, okay, yeah, we're gonna have a fight. So Nick, we're gonna have a fight. But the fight's gonna be me hitting you, and you expect him to say me hitting you, and you hitting the floor. I, I or really thought he was gonna say that. Yeah, but he says it's gonna be me hitting you, and then me hitting you, and then me hitting you. And so the basically his <laughs> rules are: I'll let your guys go if we have a fight, but you can't hit me you yeah. can't punch and if you hit me one time my guys will just kill all of you yeah so Dolph agrees to it and just takes this ass beaten but i'm telling you what and this is my point that i'm going to get to <laughs> i swear to god kiefer wanted once or wanted to fuck dolph because when he has him like at his mercy and he gets right down there and like gets in his face yeah. and then he kissed that one guy. I think he kissed Perry yeah, Lang. It might have been not even Perry Lang. He has somebody on the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, okay. Now he wanted to beat Dolph down, but he wanted to fuck Dolph. I can see it. And that's all I, I can have to say it. about that. That's and I don't think Dolph was that one. But then again, you know, Dolph was conflicted in many ways in his life. Like he goes all the way to like they they have a stopover in like Thailand and go to a, 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 a whorehouse nudie bar, and he gets a hooker, but then sits in there and just you know you know I, I've had done a lot of things in my life and and she's like listen motherfucker you shut the fuck up you want to fuck or what you know pussy are you Dave Mustaine? <laughs> um, Moving right so, along. So yeah, we we talked that about a, Catherine. That was a tangent. Catherine Bell already. And her haircut was not helping a lot in this movie. She's kind of wrapped in, uh, she just, I don't know, something weird going on with the face, or I don't know what was, she just wasn't very sexy in the movie. I'm like you, I, I must, I, at first I thought she was, that wasn't her. Yeah. And I've I, seen this. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to I had to look it up. I was like, I had to Google search Catherine Bell, Men of War, at when I first saw her, because I paused it. I was like, wait, was that her? And let me tell you. <laughs> Dolph gets a little girlfriend on the island. Yeah. Sorry to spoil that. Nope. <laughs> she she beats was the... so much hotter than Catherine oh, yeah, Bell's yeah, movie. Yeah, and yeah, what yeah. a rack on her. Mm-hmm. And you get to see it. And you get to see it more than once. Thumbs she was hot. The, the first time I ever saw her was in the, the Eddie Murphy movie, The Golden Child. Mm-hmm. And man, I remember seeing that movie and thinking, Jesus, Jesus H. Christ, this <laughs> bitch is hot. And she, oh, yeah, very exotic. Yeah, she had a very, like, Laura Gimserth kind of thing going on. Creep, creep, creep. What? No. Laura who? One of the Emmanuels. 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, I don't know their names. I just know how many strokes it took to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> Watching those movies. Plus, a lot of times I'd have to, you know, tune the uh, <laughs> when we didn't actually get Cinemax, and I had the box. You could tune it so you could kind of see it, and it'd be all staticky and shit. Right, right, right. So you could crank one out in the basement. <laughs> I, mine had to unfortunately be in the living room, and I was yeah, sorry, to like, mom and dad. <laughs> sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. <laughs> my parents don't listen to this. Oh shit. my god, I hope they'd never listen to this. <laughs> my dad would be like, "You get on there and act so goddamn stupid." <laughs> so I know I, he's not listening. Fuck you, dad. I just I just sent you the link to uh, the cover to a Black Emmanuel. With oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I just never knew her name. She was in a million of those. Yeah. She looks kind of Barbara Carrera-ish. So, uh, wait, we're we're getting lost on Emmanuel here. Oh, you guys, uh, if you if, if if Trevor Goddard sounds like something you'd be interested in, please go to his IMDb and look up the movie Hollywood Vampire or Vampire or whatever how it's pronounced because he looks so ridiculous on the cover. That's got to be and he, he's on video. Uh, well. That he looks really like he wants to fuck Dolph on the cover, <laughs> and Dolph's not even in that movie. But he was, um, he's what was the he was the the uh, the guy in um, Mortal Kombat that was like his big claim to fame. Oh, he was uh, Kano. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy that, shit, that, that was him. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But apparently, I, I like they. I, I read his. Um, you know his biography, and it was talking about you know him being an athlete and playing. Um, you know rugby and shit like that and i guess he 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 was a boxer and they said he never lost a fight he was one one and one but now if you never lost a fight uh, you know <laughs> one one and one <laughs> Did that one win one loss and one tie i don't know maybe it's just me weird um so um basically throughout the film the uh you know they're they're confused by the whole people living there they're, they're expecting the natives to of this island to you know, be fighting, and the people are just Ooh. like, "Hey, we're just hanging out." And then the uh, they've traveled over on this giant cargo ship, so they they go out to the cargo ship, and they keep getting more direction, I guess. And um, it, eventually, the group has to split because you know there's certain people that were like, you know, they don't deserve it, and then other people are like, we got to do our job, and you know, that leads to a um, little confrontation, I guess. Um, and that's this is where the uh, the bazooka really starts coming in. You get you get to see it the first time when they shoot a fucking boat, and the there's a nice boat explosion. But there's a there's a really cool like, fly, like flaming corpse that flies yeah. out of a flaming body. That's a good stunt. So guy on fire. I, I thought it should have been a corpse. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that pirate shirt was flammable. So uh, for the <laughs> yeah sorry spoiler alert so for the in the the second half of the film really it's all about you know the two factions now that have formed the good faction as we <laughs> like to say and the and the bad guys uh, the new the new newly crowned bad guys and um, the uh, so the second half of the movie is really just them fighting against one another. And Kiefer is, of course, in on the action, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I don't want—I don't want to keep. I don't want to just, you know, do the plot yeah. a, a moment for moment. So there's some action in this, just a little bit, little bit of action. Um, 
one part I liked uh, uh Kiefer even though he wanted to screw Dolph I I believe he was he was definitely bisexual because he um he licked Catherine Bell's chin oh, like he disgusting. almost deep-throated her chin and ugh, ugh, it was gross cuz you know he smelled like fucking like uh I don't know or or <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean just bathed in it um I like the notes I wrote. I think Kiefer wants to fuck Nick. Um, <laughs> something about it. What was it? Oh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but somebody said something about a beaver sandwich. <laughs> I don't remember that. They were that. I don't know if it was when they were at the whorehouse or, or uh, when they were on the uh, island because the 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 one the one little they had a, like a sort of a comic relief kind of guy that was the guy on the island that could speak English and he was always fucking with them and he was kind of like a uh, he had like almost like a New York street kid kind of a vocabulary even though he was living on this island and he used to be a busboy uh, which he told and um, let's see there was one scene the one scene um, that I thought it was kind of cool because it, it kind of showed like uh, almost the power of uh, <sighs> passive like protests or whatever when all this shit was going down. And, um, you know, this, this village is full of like, you know, women and little kids mm-hmm. and everything. And um, the, the um, this one old man makes a kind of makes a state they're they're talking about killing everybody in the village and this one old man kind of makes a statement by doing something and uh it's like holy <laughs> shit and they're even like you know they're they're they've killed all these people and everything but they're like holy shit but that that wasn't the part that got me as much as um as they're t- they were talking about they were you know let's just kill all of them and take the island or whatever. And, you know, Zeus is getting out of control and everything. And these little kids that look like they're probably like five years old, just come over and take the, the barrels of their guns and point them right at their own foreheads. Yeah. yeah. At the little, the little kids take the barrels and put them to their own, the little kids foreheads. And they're all like, you know, just like, you know, Oh, what the fuck, you know, that's gotta be a really weird scene to direct Mm -hmm. because like, it's always it's always really uh it's it's always kind of jarring i guess to see kids doing like very adult things in movies yeah when you think about like i mean there there's the story element of it but when you think about these are you know when the director yells cut these kids have just done that and it's like i mean do the kids know the weight of what they just did or i mean it's kind of a weird thing it's like being the director it's like all right all right kids um, we just had lunch, but now I'm going to need you to put guns against your forehead yeah. for it. You know, I mean, it's kind of. Well, Zeus, uh, he 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 was slinging some kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, he he could, he's big enough, man. He was slinging some like grown men or some lady boys or something in that bar. Uh, um, but uh, then he was he he was slinging some little kids too. Mm-hmm. Um, this ain't no game, y'all. You know, I like that line. I don't know even who said it now, but I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is this? Some game you playing? Hide and seek? Well, I'm about to seek your ass out. That was Zeus, obviously. Well, what did I say? Obviously, well, I'm racist, motherfucker. Maybe Keeper uh, should have said that. <laughs> yeah, jeez, he was gonna say. Yeah, see, oh, <laughs> the, the the mono on mono 
um, fighting with Kiefer and well, just the way he treated everybody. Okay, now this guy to me, I think somebody would have killed him <laughs> like a long time ago because he would be the kind of guy that would just come up and just grab you and like shove his tongue down your throat or yeah. something and and just like and with that crazy look in his eyes, like I don't know. <laughs> they had um. Maybe they should do a remake of Sallow, but make it like really corny and put him as one of the <laughs> aristocrats. Poop machine. Uh, <laughs> the, oh. the, the, uh, the he pirate dressed shirt. up like Kano. With <laughs> <it>. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that the the, uh, the pirate shirt guy, he was the uh, stereotypical sleazy guy that that. Uh, uh, Catherine Bell, she's she, well. I mean, she was she was a chicken in a in a, in a man's world, a macho man's world, and yeah. and um, but so she got abused there a little bit. Like even walking in the bar, you know, they were they were using the uh, the uh, metal metal detector, and the guy just runs it up her crotch and everything. And <laughs> um, you know, even though she wasn't she wasn't as attractive in this as she was in like Jag or as feminine, but I think you know that's obvious that they would make her. I mean, it would be kind of goofy to have um, some supermodel chick that you know. I would expect a girl that was that skilled in fighting sure. and shooting and everything to be a little bit more um, on the manly side. I'm, but, I'm uh, glad they did with her what they did. If she was hot, it would have been annoying. Yeah. Well, there was one part where I thought we were going to have a little lesbian action uh, when the girl was combing her hair and stuff, and right, then they right. were just like, "And but she said, you you know, do you have a uh, a boyfriend or something like that?" And and she said, um, I can't remember how she put it. Like, uh, I don't know if she said I never saw the percentages in it or something like that. But I was kind of thinking that maybe she was going to say, you know. <laughs> Coming my hair or whatever, but anyway, I, that would have been good. But Dolph got a little love scene in there. He got to he got to have a little uh, yeah. love making, which was cool. I mean, I knew something was brewing there, and I think that he was probably such a drunk and so burnt out that he at first he probably when he was still living in um, Chicago or whatever, walking the streets, that uh, he probably didn't. Um, we, well, let's just put it this way: on on the silver and gold um, Facebook page. Uh, we brought our fans what we know that they want. We like to give our fans what they want. So everybody has seen Dolph completely naked now. And uh, <laughs> so um, Except it's, for our Chinese listeners. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I think that, I don't know, just going there and being with these people and then actually having this chick that uh, – Actually, see, you know, it moved along pretty quickly. Let's put it this way: if you if you ran across a hot chick and and uh, a relationship started as fast with all the shit that was going on as Dolph and this girl, uh, you know, hey, more power to him. But you know, maybe that was in his contract. But she was hot. Um, that's like you said. It, it's uh, I don't have a ton of notes. Yeah. Uh, because it is it is a um, you know a straight up action movie. Uh, it's very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's some cliche stuff, but I say cliche, but I don't mean it in a bad way. Like you said, when they go and recruit the, recruit the people, um, uh, the asshole kind of pervy guy that's, that's hitting on a girl or whatever. And she, 
maybe takes a hand grenade and sticks it down his pants or something like that. Or <laughs> like, you know, uh, and, um, there's, there's a few kills in there that are, that are pretty unique. Yeah. Um, I love, oh, oh, I don't want to spoil it. I, 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 know. I there's one I really like, because you, you don't even see it happening. You just hear it happening. Yeah. <laughs> I got a good uh, laugh out of that one. <laughs> but, but, um, it, it's everything that uh, to me, and and now I thought somebody said that that this didn't get a theatrical release. I thought I read that somewhere. I don't know. Like maybe somebody reviewed it and they said that it should have gotten a theatrical release, but it didn't. Hmm. Um, now it was rated R on IMDb, and now I'm not sure what like Commando and those movies were rated. Were that rated? Were they rated R? Because it had to be just for violence, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this had tits but, in it, so I'm sure it was R. I mean, I'm, sure yeah. it was I, I'm looking at the release dates. Um, it was released uh, in Japan first mm. in '94, and it wasn't released until December of '95 in the USA on video. Yeah, just on video. Yeah. But I mean, uh, at the time when when oh my god, uh, it was called The Punisher Two in Romania. <laughs> 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 well, you know, it could have been Frank. Frank Castle dyed his hair. Um, but when you look at like Commando and Raw Deal and some of those movies like that 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 um, Schwarzenegger put out, mm-hmm. or even you know a few of the 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 things that Stallone or whoever they were putting out, and they were getting like you know the, theatrical releases. This one's to me is just as good as fucking Commando. Well, this came. A I little, this came a little later. I mean, if this happened in '87, yeah. you know, we might be looking at something different. But it came out in '94. And now, for the most part, that like the 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 tit scenes, yeah. like they were do- like the one was done very tame, um, tame. tastefully because yeah. the girls were just in the uh, in like in, in the river or whatever, and they were bathing. And Dolph, of course, is up there. <laughs> he's he's cleaning his gun, his big. <laughs> gun yeah. you know which had a big hard uh erect barrel and he's sitting up on the hillside looking down and, but 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 you know living on that island and stuff like that nudity to the to them like especially the women being topless didn't mean anything to them but then he so sees, they didn't he's they're like jug jugs mcgillicuddy over in the water and he's like oh my gun what's his name shinier. sandwich like <laughs> beaver i mean that's beaver so crude <laughs> Said that since I was like in fucking like junior high, Beaver. Uh, it's like fucking Don Francesco's coat. <laughs> it's made out of the pelts of whores. <laughs> Make you a bigger whore than you ever were. Um, Son of a bitch. I like Dolph. I think he has a certain charisma. And I've said this before on the show that I think now that even the, the like the older he gets, like now, that charisma, it's, it's, He's almost even more charismatic because he knows who he is. He knows mm-hmm. how old he is mm-hmm. and everything, and he doesn't try and be something he's not. He's not like a Seagal with the goddamn hair plugs and the fucking um, uh, black shoe polish in his hair or Stallone doing so many fucking steroids that it looks like he's got varicose veins all over his entire body yep. and his hair is so black it's it's stupid looking <laughs> you know yeah, it, I, it's it's cool like i uh, went i was on this i was on Dolph Lundgren's <laughs> site this is just turning into like the Dolph masturbation session but um boing. 
the uh, on his website, you know, reading his past and stuff about you know his dad was abusive and all this stuff, and you know, I mean, you know, he's a he's a trained engineer. I mean, he went to you know, and it just kind of fell into modeling and acting and Grace Jones, and he fell into Grace Jones and back out again. Ugh. Um, no so. offense, Dolph, but Jesus Christ, dude, you're a better man than me. I don't want that. I never want that. And if it was offered to me, even in the best of times, no. <laughs> she looks like a spider, and I do not like spiders. I do not like spiders. I don't. So, um, yeah, well, we can go ahead and get into scoring it. Um, this is, uh, it's fun. It's on instant. It's, 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 uh, and as we said about the movie when it reviewed on Gentleman's Guide today, you could definitely find a, a worse waste of, of 90 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, for the action heads out there, there's that. Honest get, to God, just for the Kiefer part, yes. it's worth watching. For the over-the-top villain part, people, yeah. there's that. For the people that like big titties, there's a little of that. Yeah, well, um, you do have, you have, like I said, Catherine Bell's, tits to me didn't look <laughs> I mean that's one thing I like about this podcast we're sitting here like her this is a this is our actual part of the movie review her tits didn't seem as big but they make up for it because tiny Lister's tits are huge <laughs> gigantic giant and milky oh my god what a milky bastard it's a truth so yeah um I would definitely watch this again I give it a 6.75 out of 10 solid solid action movie yeah, yeah, yeah. I, for what it is, comparing it just to, um, I say, I give it like a six point two five. But again, a very strong one sure. for for what it is, and it's it's just like every other movie we talk about on here. It, I was never bored. It entertained me. Uh, comparing it to fucking Citizen Kane, no. But comparing it to itself, um, I have watched it. This is the second time I've watched it, and I, uh, like I said, uh, the, the Dolph and Keith and the uh, Trevor uh, Goddard fucking make the movie. Hey, yep, great stuff. All right, let's take a little break and come back and do a little bit of feedback and wrap things up. Be right let's back. do it. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the vitriol. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Should be happy with your money and 
Wanda Jackson there. Ah, see what I did? Silver and golden needles. <laughs> I'm so, funny. I'm so smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop that really abruptly. <laughs> Nothing but quality here on silver and gold. Quality and poop. Lots and lots of poop. Literally and figuratively. All right. So we just got a couple of... Um, speaking of poop. Speaking of poop, we got a couple of voicemails this week. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, uh, thank you, Justin, the cinemasochist, for uh, entering the contest. We're up to three people, as I think I said earlier. Yay! So, Yay, Jimmy! <coughs> so we'll be we'll be having you guys have a little little brawl soon. Um, all right, first voice naked, now. naked brawl with with um, wait wait butterscotch pudding. Oh fuck, man! I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm right. some cake farting. First I am so cold. Some butterscotch. Hey oh shit! <laughs> Sorry, I started that one early. iPad's a little touchy today. Here we go. Hey guys, it's the Cinemasters Justin Erbolter calling in to announce that I do truly believe that the world is going to come to an end next year. It, Yay! Get on the bandwagon. I finally have. And it's thanks to this show, because Loaf watched not one, not two, but three documentaries in one week. It flabbergasts me. It shocks me. And uh, uh, if you watch three Rob Lowe movies in a week next week, Loaf, or any other week, <laughs> I will confirm that the world will come to an end. I, gotta get I on think that. that is the proof. So, way to shock the hell out of me. Uh, and I decided I'd quickly suggest an episode, maybe, a little cinemasochist episode I'd like to call where you got one for Zom you get to watch I suggest Fear starring both Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg uh, if I'm correct I've we never gotta seen do this episode. movie but it's always a goodwill so and for Loaf I'm still deciding uh, there's many options I'm thinking maybe something if I could find a movie that had Drew Barrymore Jason Statham Rob Lowe Lily Svesky and Julia Stiles in it I like I Rob Lowe I don't think that exists maybe I'll make it for you <laughs> But I'll find something for you. But I'm going to see you guys in your hell one of these weeks. But until then, keep up the good work. All right. Have we been doing good work? I don't know. I mean, I guess compared to, like, Gentleman's Guide. Murdering babies. <laughs> I said Gentleman's Guide. You said murdering babies. Eh, toss up. Um, <laughs> meh. <laughs> uh, so... Sorry, in joke there for uh, for you. You guys are going to hear me twice this week, so <laughs> we have to be doing more more. Uh, we have to be doing better work than Gentleman's Guide when uh, I'm doing the bo- I'm doing both. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was fun. That was fun. So thank. Uh, back to the other. Thanks, Justin, for the for the voice. Thanks, anyway. Justin. You are truly a masochist. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 we have to consider that show. Maybe we can fucking do that. What was that? Uh, s- swim fan or something like that that uh, Julia Stiles is in. God damn! Which one no, or dude. that fucking dancing movie. Oh, <laughs> I gotta tell you, I I fucking hate her. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I hate I hate fucking Reese Witherspoon. I can't say that I hate Reese Witherspoon more than Julia Stiles or vice versa, 
Man, they're on the same fucking level. I'm glad oh, I was able to bring her to your attention then. Fuck me running. Ugh. All right. I hate her. Next voicemail. Oh, Susie. Hey, Susie. Can <laughs> you get big old special here? I got a major mess here. Johnny just melted the tires of my car, my automobile. I need to take a leash out for a day. Oh, God. The anti-street gang, they gonna let me hear the end of it. Uh, well, anyways, that was my dramatic interpretation of one Benjamin J. Grimm. And this would be Metal Mikey. Not a dramatic pause, but me wanting to get my backpack off my shoulders. Calling in for, well, at least a chunk that I listened to of your scary Halloween episode of Silver and Gold Podcast. Why well, only a chunk? Because it's now the end of my work day, and I'm saving the rest for my drive out to Cincinnati this weekend. Whew, scary. But I have a few thoughts. Actually, I managed to fill an entire note sheet worth of notes to comment on. So, first off... Is that- we, need to get, we need to get Mikey on the show. I know we recorded a weird time, but... Anyway. Over my dead body. Or live body. Tom, uh, um, please refrain from dying, you know, from any coal inhalation. It's not I a good can't deal, help man. it. You know, you got to hang around a while longer. The fracking's going to get you, too. Uh, and I also, wish I you was mentioned dead. the thing. Oh, and I think it was actually hard rain. Every Thursday. Or hard flood, whatever. <laughs> I can't remember the title, but I actually did see that Christian Slater flood heist movie in the theater. Opening weekend, I saw that in the theater. And you ever see one of those movies where... It's just the setting and everything kind of exhausts you. Just seeing all that rain and all that darkness, I just felt like very tired and waterlogged after I saw that movie. Oh, yeah. And it's Ooh. not because I have anything against aquatic movies. I mean, I remember being really pumped back up after I saw The Abyss when I first saw it in the theaters. But this one is just like, God, I felt like I stood in the rain for about nearly two hours. I just want to get inside, warm up, fall asleep. I don't know what that says about the film. blame it on and, something. Oh, you mentioned Grace Jones. In association with Straight to Hell. The oh, spider. Zom and Loaf. Great Jones. To this day, she still rusts after my tiger meat. If you know what I mean. And I think you do. And, oh, before I forget, also, I do want to mention that Mini Driver, yeah, I definitely would not turn down that offer for her her side dish at the Nina Hartley Diner, if you will. And finally, at least for the notes I have, because I do recall having watched Maniac Cop once, but my memories on it are very dim. But the bizarre thing is, I've watched Maniac Cop at least twice, and my memories are pretty dim about it. But I've only seen Silent Rage once in my life. But it was at that right time when I was a young kid, very impressionable, horror movies freaked me the fuck out. I saw that opening sequence where you have, you know, Wolverine, homicidal guy going completely nuts in the family home. And I swear, that traumatized the living shit out of me as a kid. Oh, my God. And I've already made my point clear on Facebook that mustacheless, blonde Chuck Norris probably had one of the best fights in cinema history. So what does that say about his latter status? But anyway, Zalm Untlow, another excellent show as always. We'll take it easy. And I, of course, look forward to talking to you again soon. Goodbye. Again very soon. Reed Richards! (laughs) <laughs> bah um yeah <laughs> thanks middle mikey um i don't know uh, grace jones 
So do what did he he's for grace. He's he's pro 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 grace, right? <sighs> I'm not sure. Is that was that what I don't know. Talking? I mean uh, to each his or her own. But you know what, <laughs> honest to God, I think they would make a good couple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I, I could just see him like with the dog collar around his neck and a leash <laughs> and her walking him like down the street and he's on his knees like walking and you know in a jock strap or something. What does she look like? I could like see now? that. What does she look like now? I don't even know anymore. Fuck man. I can't imagine she looks much different than what the hell she did. She grossed me out. Oot. You didn't like the flat top? The you flat like top's fucking minute bowl. <laughs> Rest in peace, Minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got a good photo to post on the. <laughs> oh God! All right, so that's it for feedback. Thank you both. Shit. Shit. That's it. That is it. Uh, check out Action Attraction. I don't know when he's posting new stuff or what, but well, he was having a little uh, problem with the uh, was it the Libsyn, oh. and he got it straightened out. So he's, I think, I believe he actually got something up, uh, and oot, and because he said if you're quick about it, you can listen to the action attraction while you drive to Whorehound. You know what I just so. realized? We haven't fucking picked the movies for next week. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm going to make an executive decision here on the air. All right. For next week, we are going yeah. to do a not quite diehard double feature. Okay. We are going to do a Corey Haim oh, <laughs> high <Jesus>. school <laughs> high school diehard called Demolition High, and cool. we're going to do yeah. a Jet Li film called High Risk. Demolition High and High Risk, the Not Quite Die Hard episode next week. Alrighty. Sound good? All right. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we totally, Sounds good totally dropped the to ball me. there. So I just had to pick one off the list, and that was the first one I saw. And um, someone I spoke to this week um, said that they would be giving us uh, their two picks for Ooh. what they want us to review, um, of course, you know, I've heard it all before. You know, it's like uh, that year, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it, Girls on Film. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, cool. I, I, I don't know what the problem is. Uh, I, I just a uh, little foot dragon. I don't know. We'll, we'll see them live and in, or we'll see at least, a, at least one of them live and in person. Maybe we can. Yes. Uh, Horror Hound. This weekend, Cincinnati. We'll see some of you there for now. Oh, that's this weekend? (laughs) Whoops. Oops. For now, let's put this shit show out of its misery. Shit. So, yeah, Demolition High and High Risk next week. Let's pull out our Swedish uh, rocket launcher. There's going to be some Swedish rocket launchers left and right this weekend. Blow this fucking show to bits. (laughs) Because I gotta go take a crap, and I gotta go pack. So uh, until next week or this weekend, if we see you, I'm gonna take a crap and then I'm gonna take a bath because I got a comic book to read. Maybe doing both in that order, both at the same time. Then you don't have. Then you don't have to wipe. Just jump in there and just wash it. It's like a water birth. Just lay in your own filth. That's what a bath is. Shit in the tub. Gross. 
Uh, all right. Hey. Until next week, this is Loaf Oot. Tom Oot. Bye. Bye, people. Love ya. Bye.